Hey everybody, welcome to Frame Trap. Today I am joined by Mr. Brandon Jones. Hi. And Brad Ellis. Howdy. Howdy indeed. Uh, so we're almost a month and a half in to 2021. How's your year going so far? Uh, okay, I guess. Okay. All things considered, I guess, okay. you know. I can't complain too hard, I guess. Yeah. I got it way better than a lot of people out there, so. That's always a good perspective to have. Uh, it's going well for me. Yeah, I cannot complain. Um, it felt, somebody, I, I th- Ben, you were on the showcase. I think somebody was like, well, January went by quick. And I'm like, I about quick. But um, it is it is kind of nutty thinking, especially when you wrap up Goaties, like, and then you're like, well, we're already one month into the next year as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, started, and I started thinking about Hitman 3. It's like, should I play it now? Because it was nice going into Goaties having finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm like, is that Hitman 3? Should I, like, get that out of the way? Right. So it's not stuck on my list later. Like, what's the rest of the gaming year going to be like? But I've been playing lots of good games. Happy yeah. there. What mm-hmm. is the rest of the gaming year going to be like? I feel like it's still mm. so shrouded in mystery. Oh, yeah. Which is exciting. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how 2021 is going to be. I, I haven't quite gotten a handle on it yet, but I'm sure it'll be good. A lot of good things coming out. Uh, and a lot of good things have come out, quite a few of which we'll be talking about today. Uh, Brad, you uh, just recently finished a review for Little Nightmares 2. Yeah. Uh, a delightful... <sighs> almost comfy horror series to me <laughs> if that makes sense no absolutely yeah yeah cozy trip. <laughs> it's very cozy to me mm-hmm. you know it's a it's still a horror game but it's not like you know your typical not a slide at all whatsoever but a lot of for, horror games nowadays are first person or third person because they're very effective right and this is a just like a weird almost side-scrolling-esque horror game with lots of platforming and puzzle solving like puzzles are obviously horror games but i think just what makes this game so fascinating is the world it puts you in mm-hmm. yeah the just look this it. depressing world of really fucked up creatures in it or you're just like like gr- grotesque like huge people crawling on the ceiling just freakos that i like that i really love right uh yeah, man, as somebody who loved the first game, and I, I played the demo for two, and I'm anxious to get my hands on the full game, uh, Cozy is such an interesting way to describe it, Brad, and I think it's due to the simplicity of the game, but it's also, like, cozy in the way that, like, the Nightmare Before Christmas aesthetic is cozy, you know? like Sure, like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's creepy, but there's something kind of comforting about it. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm into this sort of style and therefore it is comforting to me kind of thing yeah yeah i guess maybe i think one thing that's comfy about it is there's like nice breaks i would say in it yeah it's not well at least the first one there are definitely a lot of moments of slowness yeah, of course. yeah. but yeah there like there is of course ramped up moments in this but there's nice right. brief moment or nice moments of like rest almost the resident evil save room like gives sure. me that same feeling of just like Oh, relief. Like, I know I'm safe for a little bit. It'd be, oh, man, it'd be hilarious if Little Nightmares 2 just already saved music, just started playing for, like, a second. You're like, wait, was that? Yeah, uh, you're like, wait, uh, what? Uh, uh, uh. Shit, I'd be into it. Yeah. That's a good crossover. Um, Brad, the first game I, I feel like was uh, really well-paced. 
um, mm-hmm. in just the right length. Did you find that to be the case with the second yes. one? Yes, yes, I did. It is a little longer than the first game, but it's still relatively short. I mm-hmm. think my first playthrough is about six hours, mm-hmm. but it ended at a good time. I didn't feel like in a lot of games, you know, you're like, this is still going. This yeah. part, you know, right. still going here. Like, when is this going to end kind of thing? It never really felt like that. Perfect amount of puzzles spaced out really nicely where I got like, you know, a puzzle, then encounter, and then like something else, another puzzle. And of course, it helps having platforming in there too to help break it all up so yeah i was really pleased with the length i feel like this is going to be a good candidate for uh the gameplay one night gameplay to one night yes yeah yeah yeah. um little nightmares one uh into little nightmares two do you feel like there were meaningful changes in the sequel or is it just kind of more of the same i mean it's obviously stuff is familiar like the the basic framework is the same you know Mm mm-hmm but they've added some things in there, especially the inclusion of Six with you mm-hmm. for a lot of the game, who sure. is the main character from the first game. You kind of doing puzzles with her at the same time, so you're having two characters instead of one. Do, you, do you directly control? No, okay. you do not control Six whatsoever. Okay. But it's, I wrote this in my review, you know, that's always like a, a red flag in my mind a lot oh, of yeah, times yeah. in horror games. With AI, you're like, oh shit, man, I hope they don't screw up, but... The game never really requires too much of them. They mm-hmm. just help you with a few things here and there. But most of all, they just kind of serve to me as like a, this weird fellowship bond in this horrible world yeah. of yeah. someone you could actually care about and try to protect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because uh, the character you play in this one's a l- like a little more physical than Six from the first game. Like you can pick stuff up like a hammer and smack guys and stuff like that. So it adds this nice kind of you're you're looking out for this character almost um, nice element of that that's interesting like the hammer that you're using is it the size of the small character or is it much bigger it's bigger okay. it's like a bigger hammer yeah. okay is that pretty easy to wield it feels like how it should like it's much bigger than you you can swing it but you have to be careful like if you swing this thing and miss like it's over you're dead okay um I guess as a result of that, did you find that there was a lot of trial and error or did you have a pretty smooth time? With these, um, going you know, it? like I'd smack a guy, then a guy would come out I wasn't ready for or something sure. like that. So I was like, okay, I got to be ready for these kind of things. But nothing like frustrating. I'm like, oh, this is bullshit or something. Trying to draw from my memories of the first game, I don't think there were any moments where I was like, outright like oh like that kind of scared uh but there's just a lot of like oh that's that's kind of messed up yeah little uh, nightmares is very much uh an unsettling game instead of a relying on like atmosphere yeah instead of jump scares mm-hmm. like i don't know i don't think there's really any like i didn't get scared about from anything but maybe some people would sure um but yeah did you feel like things progressively got more messed up as the game went on just just mm, aesthetically yeah. okay like yeah, I mean it's all kind of messed up, <laughs> like right. everything. But right. stuff definitely gets like crazier as you get near the end. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like eye-opening stuff. It's just that kind of horror where you're like, wait, a, wait, what? Mm. <laughs> like, what is that? What am I looking at? Like, yeah, and it's that uh, that uncertainty, that fear. Kind of reminds me of like the 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 best parts almost of any horror film on average are like 
30 to 50 minutes of that horror film. Like that's when stuff really gets good. Mm-hmm. When you get past the introductions when the, whatever antagonist or, fo- you know, you know, uh, driving evil force is revealed and you still are asking questions. It's when you kind of understand everything. And then the big fight at the end that you're like, oh, I'm over it now. Like mm-hmm. I'm just not scared of this thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that building dread is so much is fun. This, this game reminds me of nightmares. I used to have when I, when I was a kid, because a lot of it wasn't about like knives or like bleeding or like attacking. It was about like smothering. Like people were trying mm. to grab me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember like that's what, what was disturbing about inside was just a lot of like tugging and you know, you're like, ah, get away, you know. So it's not uh not not the traditional like, oh, you took away you're taking away my health bar kind of like yeah. fear that develops in gaming. It's yeah, just this get, like just grab the one. Stay away from me. Like mm-hmm. yeah, man, you are so tiny. It's it's why I I love playing horror games with my wife and my poor wife like hates horror more than anything, but that's why it makes it so good. Where like cuz she hates being chased and like multiple times we'll be playing a game like Resident Evil or something and something will jump out, right? And she mm-hmm. will it, it's like it's like a horror movie scream. And like the scream is just so loud that I get scared not from what happened on the screen, but just yeah. like oh, yeah. right from by me. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. the from from her scream and oh it's <laughs> great. It adds it adds I, a lot. I was of playing things. an open world game one time and Amanda screamed when like a horse showed up. I like called my horse and the horse just <laughs> came into frame and she was like, Ah <laughs> Are you alright? Yeah. Like, were you primed for that or something? Mm-hmm. But it uh, it's yeah. That's always a, a treasure. When you've yeah, there's so much more scared than you could possibly be and you're like oh that's great that was not even a right and character just said a line of dialogue that's all that happened but thanks i needed that Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i try to explain like you're the perfect person to play horror games with because you get scared every time they want you to get scared like everything works on you and that's why it's so much fun yeah 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 um but going back to little nightmares 2 i can't speak to this game too much but um I always thought the first game deserved a little bit more attention than it got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there was there was a lot of people that rallied behind Limbo and Inside, as they should. Those games are great, too. Um, and I, But I always thought that, like, more people would enjoy Little Nightmares if they just checked it out. And I wonder... Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I wonder if part of it is because it kind of looks so similar to something like inside maybe people yeah maybe it just well, seems a little less remarkable. from my experience like i played the first little nightmares last year mm-hmm. like late last year first time i didn't even know what the game really was though when right. i i just heard like you guys talk about before and i was like oh it's like a horror game or something i didn't even know it. like i saw the cover i was like i don't know any what the hell this game even is and i booted it up and i was like oh <laughs> yeah Brad, that's a good point because it is kind of a hard game i think to explain in words in like a super succinct bullet point way like you're just like yeah it has a really distinct sort of like claymation look that's grotesque and there's puzzles and there's platforming and like it's i i feel like trying to nail this down with words uh it's not something where somebody's like, oh, okay, I get it now. I'm in. Uh, I think right. you do have to uh, kind of experience it. Having on a visual own. really helps yeah. getting that across. Yeah, I think there's a demo up on yes, multiple platforms. Is. So I there definitely is. encourage people to, to check it out because mm-hmm. I think that yeah. that's the best way to. And if you're considering, I would 
recommend the first game. Yeah. First. Absolutely. You will appreciate this game more. Mm-hmm. Mm. And something that we always, you know, bang on about, on about is uh, having shorter games. And yep. so, so grateful for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's short and I think it works well for its length, but I, I, I wish it was longer just because I want to spend more so time there. Yeah. yeah. I felt that, boy, I felt that way about SeaWorld Dig 2 where... Like I was just so in love with Ooh, that yeah. game, oh, yeah. and I was like, "Really? Like we're over? Like it did? You, yeah. it, the game didn't even do anything wrong. I just liked it so much. I just, I just think with Little Nightmares that those games is because like every chapter is like a different kind of theme and location. Totally. Like one of them's like a school in this game, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, man, I just want to see where the weird places you'll take me to here. Yeah. Um, speaking of going to weird places. Uh, I've been exploring the metaverse in Persona 5 Strikers uh, for review. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a big Persona 5 fan. Um, really enjoyed the original game. Gave it five stars. Uh, I've been extremely surprised with Strikers. As somebody who likes Musou games and likes the spinoffs, I definitely think this is the most adventurous I've seen them be with mm-hmm. a Musou game, and I think they have captured the game that they're spinning off from better than the other games that they've they've done. Uh, and there is just so much story, like <laughs> it's it's kind of remarkable. Um, and it has some of the benefit I think of something like a Persona Four Arena, where you take these characters that you already know really well, uh, and you kind of get to see where they are after the fact, right? You know, after right. that first grand adventure. Um, and I think the other nice thing is, is like everybody's all together, like right from the beginning. It's not like, oh, it's it's not just, you know, Joker and Ryuji and then like you're slowly building up. It's yeah, like everybody's nice. there. Yeah, like Haru's there right from the beginning. Um, and so that's nice. Um, but to talk about the actual changes to the battle system... Uh, so just like in Persona 5, you are acquiring personas. So you get, you acquire personas by like being out in the field. There are tough personas that when you kill, they'll drop a mask and you pick them up and then you actually go into the velvet room and fuse new personas. And so, yeah, just like Persona 5, you're constantly, um, getting new personas, fusing them together, uh, as they level up, they get new abilities, and so like it's it's constantly changing up. Um, and then when you're actually out in the field, everything you fight has a weakness. So you know this thing might be weak to ice, this thing might be weak to fire, and obviously Joker, since he can hold a bunch of personas, he can cover a lot of those bases. But then your teammates also have their own personas, and they can use their own spells and abilities. Uh, to do damage to monsters. Uh, I have a quick question. Yeah, so just from what I've heard, it sounds like Joker would be the best character just because he can have multiple personas and get all those different weaknesses. Right. What makes you pick someone else over Joker? So there's, there's a couple of different things. You'll just naturally have moments where it's like, oh, like I do have a lot of personas, but I don't have this type of spell that I need. And so my, another party member has this. So it's, there's kind mm. of that. Uh, but SP is also a concern. So like, um, 
regular Persona 5, as you go through a dungeon, you will drain SP. And there are items and skills and things you can get to kind of help address that. But it's like, oh, I've used a bunch of Joker SP. I don't have any left. Like, I need to rely on somebody else. Uh, but I think the primary reason why you want to rely on your teammates is you have... So there's four people that you go into a dungeon. They call them jails in this game. Oh. There's there's four people that you go into a, a, a jail with, and you can switch between them in the middle of a battle. It's, it's very active switching. Oh. And okay. they have what is called a showtime gauge. And so uh, kind of like Persona 5 where you have the baton pass, they, they call it a baton pass here when you switch. And they're like, okay, because you switched characters, we're going to fill up their showtime gauge, basically their super gauge, even faster. And so there's like, there's a reward for switching because it's like, oh, if I switch, I get my super up more, which will allow me to do more damage. Um, and so you're not wrong that Joker is like the best character in terms of versatility, but they do uh, different, there are different mechanical reasons for mixing it up. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also there's just some cool things with some of the characters. Um, like the new character, for example, uses yo-yos, uh, or one of the new characters, I guess you say, uses yo-yos. And she, like, if you time it right when the yo-yos come back, you'll get, like, a, a buff, which is nice. Um, and so there are just little things like that where, you know, because you're fighting so much, it's kind of nice to just switch it up and, and get somebody who has different moves, right? Different combos, that sort of thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really like it. I'm, I'm actually extremely invested in in the story i don't think it's as good as persona 5 uh but there have been very interesting developments and like i really can't overstate how much story there is like there's you spend a lot of time uh just talking and it's kind of cool it, you don't have as much flexibility or as fr much freedom as you do in like persona 5 uh with like what you do in your free time mm -hmm. but you are going to different cities and oh. there's you you know you'll go around and there's like different shops you can go in and like at some of the different shops you can buy recipes which you can use to make food which will give you you know different healing or recover sp and then you do that and you share the food with somebody or like one of your teammates will have a request for you that's like with a specific problem that they're dealing with and they just do a really good job of like if you're somebody I don't think this game is for people. I don't think you should play this if you're not already invested in Persona 5, but I think if sure, you yeah. are and you do have an appreciation for those characters in this world, it does a good job of letting you return to it uh, in, in a satisfying way, I would say. Um, do you think that's a knock against the game? Can you recall any Musou crossover games you've played before that you were like, it doesn't matter if you're a Zelda fan or a fire emblem fan like you would you'd enjoy this you don't you don't need any prep um i i don't know i like i guess hyrule warriors hmm that's an interesting question because i i think you could probably make cases both for and against but like even age of calamity i think greatly benefits by you being already familiar with kind of mm -hmm, right. the, the characters yeah, that you're totally. playing as um I think because this is set after Persona 5, like it's especially true in this case. Uh, but do I think it is a knock against the game? I don't know. Not really. 
Um, Cause like, I guess, and it'd be interesting, I guess, to hear from the audience, I guess like if you weren't interested, like why would you play this anyway? Right. Um, yeah, fair. But that being said, you know, you think about something like Persona 4 Arena and like, that's just a fun fighting game. Like, even mm-hmm. if you don't care about the story or know anything about the characters, like, it is just fun to play. And I guess that mm-hmm. is somewhat true here as well, but you will definitely get a lot more out of it um, if you've played Persona 5. But it's a good question, Brandon. Um, I will say, uh, so early on, I was like, holy shit, like, this is so awesome. Uh, because the I, I thought, like, the level design was really interesting. I thought the way that they incorporated mechanics from Persona 5 into this game, it was done really, really well. Um, and there were neat things. Like, there, there are sections where you kind of go into this area, and all of a sudden it's a 2D platformer, and you have to avoid spotlights as you jump around. And yeah. uh, there are so many... Like, it even has the uh, Persona 5 system where you don't want to get seen by the enemy because you'll raise your alert level in the jail. And if you, you know, if you raise it too high, there are certain treasure chests that you can't open. And so you want to, there are specific points in the world that you want to zip to and ambush enemies. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. And then uh, I'm about 24 hours in now. And uh, <clears throat> the, the, as I've gotten further in, the more it's like, okay, they're just kind of doing the same thing over and over with dungeons, <laughs> where yeah. um, like things that were kind of interesting before, it's like, oh, you guys like just use that idea. So like an example is like Futaba will go and she'll have to hack into something so you can progress forward. And the first time you do it, it's like, oh, kind of neat, fun, like, I, I have to like pay attention to this one person and make sure you know enemies don't get too close to her. But after you do it three or four times, you're like, yep, this kind of feels the same. Um, and even though bosses have unique mechanics, um, I, I would say like once you get proficient in with it, a lot of it boils down to like, okay, this thing is weak to this thing. You know, I, I summon the persona, I use what it's weak to, I break one of their shields, I break all of their shields, I do an all-out attack. And so there is there is definitely some uh, repetition, for sure. Um, which, I suppose you could argue with the main game, but I don't think it's as good here mixing up its levels. Although, just before this podcast... Something happened in the story that was pretty wild, and I was like, okay, this is a cool change. This is a meaningful development. I really like that. So the, the verdict is still out, but um, if you're somebody that's like, oh, man, like Muso games, they just get a little bit too repetitive for me, I would say like on some level, this game is definitely guilty of that too. Oh, that's me. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> think it's... I don't know, Brad. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it and see if. Yeah, I want to try it. Yeah, I liked Hyrule Warriors, but I definitely got to a point where I was like, "Okay, dude." Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's it's so weird because it's like, ah, you have really good ideas, like just mix it up a little bit more. Um, Mm. And I think that also is exemplified in the requests that you do as well, where you know these are side objectives, and they're 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 worth doing because it's like. You get new weapons, um, you get bond experience, which this is actually a pretty cool system where you like, you know, you increase the bond between you and your, you know, fellow phantom thieves. And it's this, this, 
it levels up, right? And as right. It, as it gets higher level, you get these points, and you have this board that you can put points into, and the decisions that you make there are actually pretty interesting. Where like you could do things like give yourself more health and SP and raise the power of physical attacks and magical attacks and all that stuff. But then there are other things where it's like, if you're not investing in them, you won't get access to those things. So like lock picking is an example where it's like, okay, if I don't invest in lock picking, I may run into a treasure chest during a dungeon that I just can't open up. And right. so you have to kind of be thinking about those things as well and where you're investing your points and, and how valuable those points are. Or like, you won't be able to cook certain types of food if you don't invest in cooking. Um, and so all those decisions, uh, I think, are, are, are pretty interesting. You know, maybe not absolutely amazing, but they, sure. they give you a little something uh, to think about. Yeah. I mean, they, I still hit a wall repetitiveness or repetitive in these games, but I think Musa games have just gotten far more interesting to me yeah. over time because they've incorporated systems from the games they're basing them off so yeah. well yeah like it sounds like to me based off this like they get persona 5 they know definitely all the stuff from persona 5 so yeah that definitely helps me get intrigued yeah i i am really impressed with how well they've carried over a lot of those persona elements um i think i think the repetition is also just again down to the length as well right like i'm 24 sure. hours in and i still feel like i have a pretty solid chunk left and oh, wow. so yeah it's mm. it's a lengthy endeavor for sure um well i mean i'm also somebody that is like i gotta do all the requests yeah, yeah. you're doing everything yeah do, sure. sure gotta do all that stuff but um but it's been fun i i think if you are interested in persona i feel fairly confident in recommending this again i don't think it's like mm-hmm. cool few games are Few games are. <laughs> uh, Brandon, you've been playing uh, the Immortals Phoenix Rising DLC, and I think you also just want to talk about Immortals because you've enjoyed it so much. Yeah, it's tough to get into DLC, uh, talk about it because I don't want to be spoilery because it definitely like picks up where mm-hmm. um, the campaign oh, leaves off. Okay, but um, uh, I just adore Immortals so much, and it's an interesting opinion to have about a game where i did i didn't did, never really came up during goaties it's not something where even the score which like i love and really gets into your head uh is not something that i think you know could potentially win awards it's just such a satisfying game and it's interesting to see because i believe um there's odyssey jokes in there like this is the team from odyssey and it almost feels like an exhale, like after they had to make this just gargantuan epic mm-hmm. and take like all of this, the, you know, the, the Greek pantheon so damn seriously. And then they like get to make Immortals and it's just like, ugh, like, let's just make this whole thing stupid, like all of it. You know, it's like just really bad jokes that are like completely aware that they're bad jokes. Like I had to get, you have to like reform four of these gods and get their essence so they can return to their original form and then help you and give you blessings and, and guide you along the way. And one like gets turned into a robot and his hands are missing and you like find one of them and you're like handy. And I'm just like, Oh God. It's like, mm-hmm. but like the, the tone of it is very much like, yeah, we weren't expecting you to laugh with that. It's just, you're kind of chuckling at the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is such a smart way. Cause I saw a lot of people that were turned off because it's like, they're like, Oh, it's a breath of the wild clone. It's like, 
blatantly, but like it's very smart because they pick you learn a lot about Greek mythology. Like they they have a kind of a jokey take on it, but it's based on what happened. Like they'll mm-hmm. t- they'll talk about things. They have a really great dynamic between uh Perseus not uh, I want to say Perseus, but I think that might be wrong, and Zeus and Oh Odysseus? Prometheus Prometheus, yeah, it's the guy yes. who was, is the guy who was tied to a rock Chain, and had yeah, birds like up, eat yeah. out his ins- insides every day, um, and uh, Prometheus, and so he's telling Zeus what's going on, and Zeus is just like you know color commentary and making fun of him. And Zeus is just awful, you know, like his mm-hmm. kids hate him, like all the gods hate him, and so Prometheus is actually like this really happened, like this this character is based on this. But then either like Zeus will bring in the comedy, or Phoenix him or herself will you know, bring some attitude on top of that. And so it's like kind of the best of both worlds. Like you don't really have to know what's going on or take it seriously, but I could yeah, see yeah. like people who studied it in college being like, that's actually true. Mm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that's like, Oh, Hey, like that's the, you like find like Odysseus ship. You're like, Oh neat. You're like, yeah, he, you know, you fight him specifically. Cause there are f- four regions where there are like uh, heroes, like Achilles that were transformed by Typhon, the bad guy. And as you get into each area, you'll be hunted by their wraiths. And so until you go actually fight Achilles, like this kind of like shadow of Achilles will, will hunt you down on the map and try to take you out. Um, and it's just the map is just like a big theme park. Like it's literally like the way Disney theme parks are built where there's like a centerpiece. So there's like this giant volcano in the middle that's clearly like the end. It's like that's the place I got to get inside, you know, and you can go to any of the regions you want to. But obviously the ones like further back are harder. Uh, and you see everything. So, like, the whole time from the very beginning of the game, you can see, like, Zeus's throne and lightning striking it, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get up there. And um, and so uh, something like Days Gone, which I really enjoyed, there were parts of that map where I was just like, oh, what's in here? Oh, wow, another f- 15 hours of this game. Okay. <laughs> Whereas, like, <laughs> the the size of Immortals is just staring at you the whole time. It's, yeah. just, it's a very accessible game. You travel so fast. Like, they took all of the the fun traversal elements of breath of the wild and just sped everything up. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was uh, just, um, I don't know. It was kind of, it, it was, it's kind of like sugary cereal, you know, it's like, this isn't good for me. And like, if, if we were handing out cereal awards, like I might not give it to lucky charms, but like, I'm going to eat three bowls of this. <laughs> like it's just, mm-hmm. um, it was just a very fun game. And especially with just like all the mat, like after Valhalla and just, uh, you know, watchdogs legion and just a lot of like kind of bloated, heavy system, kind of games it was just neat being like go get stuff bring it back to this hall of gods level up head right back out again and just go mm-hmm. get more yeah. stuff um. uh i checked out the demo demo on stadia uh just kind of t- it was one to check out immortals just for a little bit and to like see how stadia was and mm-hmm. uh it ran beautifully for me and i i was really in love with the style of the game, like just how, how vibrant it was. And, and I really appreciated kind of the overall aesthetic. Um, and I do feel like this game is definitely suffering from like, Oh, it's a breath of the wild clone, which is true. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, like I'm down for more breath of the wild. Like that's, yeah, that's right. a good yeah, thing yeah. to, to it's take be inspiration a good while from. before we get to. So right. Like, right. Like that, that's, <laughs> I don't think that's like this inherently terrible, um, thing and although it doesn't sound like because you know brad has talked about a frame trap before it doesn't sound like it's blown either of you away you know both of you coming on here and being like yeah it's a fun game uh definitely has merit to it yeah 
but it's they it were very wise to go with comedy to be like mm. okay if we're gonna just like kind of borrow a lot of these ideas that they've added to this game let's not take much of any of this seriously mm-hmm. and even when it does it's like kind of cool like mm. Hephaestus gets treated terribly by his like brothers and parents you know like as, as a god and like I was like going through his dungeon and when you're like recovering their essence you'll be in the dungeon and you'll hear voiceover of like their lives and just kind of what they went through and I was like wow sucks to be this guy you know mm-hmm. like there were parts where I'm like oh, okay it's it's neat to mm-hmm. get a little bit of the story and and the performances were really good but like most of it's just like like Ares and um uh, it's just a complete joke you know like a lot of them are just like uh, super goofballs um, and one thing that attracted me very early on is it has a really interesting season pass like there's a lot of crazy DLC like some look like themed by like worlds that have nothing to do with Greek mythology one has like a very like eastern kind of vibe uh, looks almost like like Chinese mythology lots of dragons and fireworks and stuff and so uh, I'm curious to get into that stuff later um and so I just saw a lot of people that were like, you know, I'm not really interested in morals, but like, whoa, this this DLC is and it's so tough to um, quantify that, you know, before you decide to give Ubisoft that much money. You'd be like, eh, like 40 bucks for mm-hmm. a bunch of question mark. Who knows how long this stuff is going to be? And uh, going into the DLC, it's called a new god and it's mostly trial based. So Immortals has what they call vaults that are essentially the shrines from Breath of the Wild and one thing that Damiani brought up, uh, I almost 100% agree with Damiani's review. A lot of the points that he brought up, you know, I'm def- I'm totally in line with. And one thing that was a bummer that, like, <laughs> a lot of these ideas from Breath of the Wild were really great and were really smart to borrow. But I also get the sense that they were like, oh, we can just have a bunch of these little tiny dungeons. They can all kind of look the same. And we can build them like you would build a level in Disney Infinity. And you just run through and challenge yourself. It's like, yeah, that was a big criticism of Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. It's that like, if I see another blue wall, I'm going to punch somebody. You know, it's just like, these are fun. And um, just like Breath of the Wild, like everything's very physical. So there were some puzzles I would finish and look behind me and be like, I'm not even sure that's what I was supposed to do. But it Mm. worked. Um, And so it was um, where it's... The story does kind of make sense going in this direction, and it is gratifying to get more powers. Everything is segmented to this DLC, so you can't you carry you don't really necessarily carry yourself over from the DLC from the campaign, and you can't go back. So it's really just its own like self-contained oh. thing. Hmm. Uh, and they say at the beginning, they're like, "I would finish the game because we're just going to spoil the ending for you right now at the, like the first cutscene." Um, so it was it was a bummer that I'm like, "Oh, I'm so beefed up now." At the end of this, I really want to go back. Uh, and finish stuff um and the puzzles were fun but it really is just a there is like a ton of lore there i can't go into any of it again because it's spoilery but uh um it was just a bunch of puzzles they were like getting near the end of it i was like yeah all right (laughs) i'm just i'm I'm, you know i I don't know specifically there's a lot of like you you have like a big wooden block and a big steel block and the steel block i can throw but the wooden one i can't and so if you, like, carry the wooden one onto this thing and then move it over here and then be very gentle to get it to here, then I wonder if I can toss it and it smashes. You're just like, oh, man. <laughs> like, all right. Mm-hmm. Back to the first area. Pick it up. Move it over. But um, if you were, like, in love with Immortals, like, you'll – you'll it's – it. I think it took me, like, 10 hours because I was also, like, very thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, like, finish everything, but I definitely wanted to explore a lot of the stuff. Um, and the writing's funny. It's just um, – there's one joke at the end that made me laugh out loud. There's one because they just are, are absolutely brutal to each other. Like these gods are just always like bickering and making fun of each other. And, yeah. Um, 
So I enjoyed it. Off to a good start. And I think uh, I, I am definitely into doing something different this time for like the new DLC. But I'm going to be curious to. It's it's tough to get out of that goatee mindset, but I'm totally into like you know, additional content. Like, all right, right, I'm. That is why I'm another reason why I'm playing this. Not only because it's a good conversation to have on Frame Trap, but uh, I can have that. You know, at the end of the year, like, oh, uh, Immortals Jones, how was that DLC? I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed it, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not sure. gonna debate here. I'm not gonna. It's not something where I would, you know, like demand someone's like, oh, you got to play it. But if someone's just like, wow, I finished Immortals and I'm so hungry for more, it's like, oh, get in there because you'll you'll want to see at least where the story goes. I do, I do kind of always appreciate the like flat rejections as we approach Goaty, where it's like, mm-hmm. I remember asking you guys like, hey, do I fin- need to finish Watchdog Legions for Goaty? And you're like, no, absolutely nope. not. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, nope. <laughs> yeah, 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 really, any no. Ubisoft game, yeah. I'm like, nope, <laughs> not this year. Um, We're all very satisfying. Is there is there like a, a roadmap for all the DLC that they have? Like this is when you can expect it, or just I like I don't know if it has dates. Okay. It definitely hasn't. It definitely has a like this, then this, then this. Like, mm-hmm. and there are screenshots. You can see the the um, the style of them, but I don't know specifically when they're coming out. Um, one thing that they they do a little bit of in the DLC, but that was prominent in the game that I like really enjoyed, and it took me a while to kind of realize that it was w- the way the game was built is you gain abilities that make puzzles like super easy way easier so like there are parts where like one example is you can summon a clone of yourself uh and then that satisfies the like light block qualifier so if there's like a pad that you're just like all right i'm gonna put this on a thing um in a lot of puzzles they're like here's your little light block like try not to smash it so you can carry it through this part and put on the lower thing but then once you get that clone you're just like screw that whole part of this puzzle just you know move it on Mm. and it's neat because it's not it doesn't like you don't get a vibe where you're like oh well that took the fun out of it it's like no thank you that's not Mm -hmm. like oh i can just lift these things now oh cool so if i like missed a dungeon or if i'm going back in a completionist sense and trying to do earlier parts it's like oh haha i don't have to do this whole dumb thing over here i can just run through and and finish it and it's neat to see it kind of reminds me of like breath of the wild like after six months after i'd beaten that game and i'm like watching videos online of people finishing puzzles and they're just like oh what if i just take this ball and do that and you're like oh i wouldn't have realized maybe even the developers didn't realize mm-hmm. you could do that so it's neat to have and a lot of that's physics based so it's neat to be like what how can i get this ball over this wall and like oh i can do that uppercut thing now oh okay mm-hmm. yeah it's fun in that way you feel powerful sure yeah 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 uh i imagine the answer is no because maybe maybe the potential audiences for both these games are very very different but uh speaking of things you know obviously taking from breath of the wild i also think of genshin impact and mm-hmm. i just that's that's a game that's completely free that got a lot of buzz and attention I wonder if there's anyone out there where they're like, ah, Mortals looks maybe kind of interesting, but I'm going to play this game that's totally free. I, I wonder if that dissuaded anybody. Mm, Probably maybe. not, but yeah. sure. be curious to, to hear Immortals from ends, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, yeah it does. Kind of right. just does not never yeah, stop I feel like playing. A lot of people are like, yeah, it's a Breath of the Wild clone. It's not as good, but it's like still really fun. Right. Sure. Like, I don't think it's as good as Breath of the Wild at all, but I still think it's really fun. Like, I have problems with this game, but I had a damn good time just going through this. I was in Jones mode just going through this game. I was just, like, <laughs> enjoying it for what it was. It's just like, oh, yeah, just yeah. walking around this world, just having a good time. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like it's like with Souls-likes, where 
I feel like the mindset that I go in with them is not like, oh, I expect this to be as good as any Souls right. game, but right. I like that style so much that I'm totally okay with yeah. with you. I mean, I this is one of my favorite Ubisoft games in a long time. Sure, like I like this better than Valhalla, yeah. or like a yeah. lot of Assassin's Creeds. So it's like, hey man, I hope they make another one. Yeah, I, I saw that sentiment because we were all like you know, at near, getting near the end, like in September of 2020, we were like looking ahead at Watch Dogs Legion, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and this, and being like, wow, Legion has a really interesting, you know, system that I'm curious to dive into, and Valhalla looks just epic as hell. I just can't wait to see like where that story goes. And like, Immortals look neat. And then mm-hmm. like at the end of the year, everybody was like, wow, Immortals ended up being my favorite. <laughs> of those, <laughs> those yeah. In terms of like something that I really enjoyed. And I think that's kind of like, it, it, it just automatically... Um, takes a lot of the stress off that you feel just kind of those stakes like legion's really great but it's just that world is so depressing <laughs> you know it's right. so sad even in its funniest parts it's just like man the story it can, in it can legion just be, is just so whatever it can just be a lot yeah a lot of the villains are just like you know they're 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 very silly and um i think one of the the my least favorite things about uh, immortals is the enemies are like super repetitive mm. they're like this giant yeah. this giant thing has is purple now okay yeah. now it has crystals on his head and like all right um but uh it moving around in immortals is so intuitive and so fast and it was funny going from tsushima where i would just like call my horse and be like yes horse and like ride it somewhere and then like get off the horse very gently and like you stay here while I go into this village. And then I'm like playing Immortals and I'm literally like jumping off a cliff and just dropping like Yoshi. <laughs> you know, it's like, my horse, sweet. You know, like, yeah. like, who cares? I'm just summoning this thing. It's not, you know, like I'm, I'm not, um, I'm just sprinting through this game everywhere. Mm. Like no matter what I'm doing, it's like I saw some video where some guy was talking about like how he lives in Animal Crossing and he's just running to every, he's like running to get his cup of coffee and then running to get the mail and then, run, you know, because you're just so used to traveling mm-hmm. to that world really quickly. And that was me and Immortals. Um, times. Well, it's that part of the show uh, where we are going to to shout out some lovely patrons. Um, but before we do that, uh, I want to give one of you two a chance to shout out something that isn't video game related. Uh, but the way that I would do it is I would just say somebody normally. But I think I'm going to have you guys earn it this time. We're going to play a oh. little bit of a game. Uh, quick game. Whichever one of you can accurately guess right now what is the top seller on Steam. Venheim or whatever, I want to guess. I'll give it to you right out of the gate. Valheim, Valheim is, is the name of it. Called. That's fair. <laughs> it's um, number one right now. It's wow. number one Go uh, top seller on Steam. Getting a lot of buzz. Ian, yeah. Don, and Huber are actually going to be streaming it on Monday. I saw some of like the house construction. I'm like, That's yeah, my jam. it <laughs> does seem like a Brandon Heim. I Brandon Heim. Brandon. <laughs> Brandon Heim. Brandon Heim. Brandon Heim. That was just a slip of the tongue there, but yep. now yep. it's canon. Yeah. Um, but Brad, I'm gonna give it to you. Uh, so yeah, shout out, shout out anything that you want, man. Um, shout out to. Heavy music, yes. Heavy metal, oh, world, heavy hardcore, all that good stuff. The the Ben Pander here, yeah. I uh, I like thought about this like one CD I remember from like two thousand one, mm. and I re listened to it. And I was like, oh damn, this is sick. 
and I've just been kind of re-listening to it the past couple of days, so it's just been on my mind. Mm. I'm just like, man, yeah, I miss a lot of heavy music. Yeah, I've been out dude. of the loop for too long. Uh is there any like particular band or CD that you want oh, to Oh, well, the band that kind of started this is this band called Darkest Hour. Okay. I'm they're still around, but the CD I think is the one I was listening oh, okay. to is from like 2000. So I, was right. just, like, I don't think I know real boomer style real far back. I don't think I know Darkest Hour. It's funny, Brad, cuz um like there's obviously like certain music that I'm extremely nostalgic for and like some of it you revisit and you're like, yeah, this is just as good as it's always been. Mm-hmm. And then some of it you go back to and you're like, yeah, oh, it's yeah. not as good. For sure. <laughs> it's not as good for as it sure, was yeah. when I was when like I was younger. Whatever the trends were at the time right. and stuff like that. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but hell yeah, shout out to heavy music. I love yeah. that. Um, this section of the show is brought to you by some wonderful shout out to your patrons. Uh, at the end, I'm gonna have us give one big shout out. I thought since I was talking about uh, Persona Five Strikers today that it might be fun if you did your shout out in a persona style. And what I love about that is that is open to interpretation. Whatever you think that means, I don't know. Uh, so think about that as, I, as I'm reading off these lovely names. Shout out to L. Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Nick, Stephen Thomason, and Dougie B. Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! <laughs> I'll take it. Um, Brad, you've been Yeet. digging into a game uh, that I've been curious about for a long time, but but never really played. Uh, started it once and was completely overwhelmed, and that mm-hmm. is uh, Terraria. Yeah, I'm still overwhelmed in this game. I am a I am a passenger on this wild ride of I'm playing this game with Kristen right now. She is the guide. She knows mm-hmm. what's going on. I'm just there to dig holes <laughs> and kill stuff right now. Okay. But it's been a good time. It's like a very basic way I would describe it is 2D Minecraft mm-hmm. with a much larger emphasis on combat. Mm-hmm. So pretty much from what I remember, the game starts you're just in this world. You know, you pick your map size and all that. Got to build shelter, baby, right away. Yeah. You're going to get attacked at night. So you build shelter and then NPCs start coming. You start building cool. more stuff. You can buy shops. You start building like forges and like benches. And basically the goal is to work towards certain bosses. Mm. Now, there's a whole lot of prerequisites to summon a bunch of the bosses. But like one of them was just in a dungeon, this crazy like skeleton thing we found in a dungeon. When we had to like get a certain NPC to fight. And there's, like, multiple difficulties, I mm. guess. But, like, we're not even on hard mode yet because we're just really exploring. But it's, like, you start real basic. Like, real basic. You got, like, nothing, man. You start with, like, a wood sword yeah. and stuff like that. Classic Minecraft people style. just get, like, crazy. who are, like, flying around. They got, like, <laughs> crazy-ass wings. I'm like, what the hell's happening? Like, this feels like a... It feels like, uh, like Age of Empires or something going up from the like, civilizations. And, yeah. Like, their well, technology. It like, it, like, gets to, like, almost shmup levels. It almost yeah. looks like Gradius at yeah, some point. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. You're just, like, you're fly- like uh, my feet never touch the ground. I'm literally just, like... From where you start <laughs> to where it ends up is, like, night and day. It's out of control. Brandon, I didn't realize you had any familiarity with Terraria. Um, 
I have. Uh, it was well. It's funny. I shared this on uh, the podcast this week, but my two godsons. I love checking in with them and what games they're playing. And they brought by the iPad, and they was like, "Look at this crazy game!" And I'm like, "Wow, is this some like shooter or something? What is this? You're like a little dragon or something? Like cool." And then like I talked to my, their dad, and I was like, "What is that they're playing?" He's like, "Oh, it's Terraria." I'm like, "Wait, what?" And like went back. I'm like, "Oh, it totally is. You're just you have so much armor on. I couldn't mm-hmm. even tell." Because the guy with the, you know, with the pickaxe is just very iconic. And just yeah. seeing, like, the green hills, it's like, all right. It's like when you see, like, Green Zone from Sonic. You're like, all right, I know what that is. Whereas, like, they were so deep into caves. It's like, mm-hmm. this looks like this looks like our type. <laughs> this is just crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, I yeah, I, I bounced off real hard just because I, I played so much Minecraft that when I just kind of dipped my toe in the deep end when I first started to play Terraria, I was like, okay, I don't know if yeah. I... <laughs> Is this really yeah. something I want to commit to as much as I should to really get the most out yeah. of it? But I haven't playing, played a playing lot with a partner is rat. I'd never even yeah. thought you can play with like a bunch of people. That's great. Like you can have like your own server and just yeah, people hop cool. in. You can progress through the game on your own time. Like you don't have to be all in there at the same time. Uh, Brad, forgive me if any of my questions are dumb regarding this game. Oh, I'm just no, so please. far out of my element with I it. I didn't have like any idea what this game was before I started playing it. Um, but like when you're taking on you know so you you said that there's a greater emphasis on combat and there are these bosses like do you spec your character a certain so, way so like there's no there's you don't do that you like craft sp- specific pieces of gear like you can make swords guns like you can okay. get magic staffs and the gear you wear i guess d- determines like what kind of class you are okay so there's like a war there's like a melee one there's a, like, a wizard a ranger and that's I cool. forgot what the last one is, but yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that. There's four things to choose from. Um, as you're doing these bosses, like how how difficult are they? Like what what is sort of the the progression I mean, like I'm, in the game? We're just like in the the like think of there's multiple tiers. Yeah, we're still in the first tier difficulty, like normal. Uh-huh. But like if you're not careful, you could die pretty fast. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> like something I never thought of, or I probably wouldn't have thought of for a while, is people like build arenas around boss fights a lot of times. So they're like, okay, we're gonna fight a boss here. So they make like a bunch of planks. That's awesome. So they make a little arena. So like, okay, the boss won't get out right here, or we can maneuver a kill box. This easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, a kill box. <laughs> like trapping the boss is a really interesting idea because like if you don't do that, can they run away? Hmm. I don't think they run away, but, like, they'll follow you. Mm, gotcha. They're gotcha. out to kill you, man. Like, because of that, can you initiate a boss fight and then realize that you're, like, not ready for it and then escape? Uh, I think... I've never gotten to the point where that... I've either killed it or I've died. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So I'm not quite sure, but you probably can run away a little bit. What is the punishment for death? I think... You can set that yourself. Oh, interesting. So, I think the, okay. the, de- I think the default thing is, like, you just lose all your money. Mm-hmm. So, you'd have to, like, go back to where your body was to get your money back. But I'm pretty sure you can do, like, permadeath. Okay. Stuff like that. I'm not sure if it changes on the harder difficulties either. But that's where it's at for me right now. Does... I guess... Is there, like, any incentive for bumping up the difficulty in terms of, like, what you get from So, bosses? yeah. 
so the whole point of the game, I think, is to fight this boss, like Moon Lord or something like that. But <laughs> oh to God. get to him, you have to go through the harder stages. Moon Lord is so good. So you could finish normal. So when we finish normal, we'll go to like a harder stage. Everything will get harder. Mm-hmm. There'll be the new bosses, but we'll get better gear to ma- or better loot to make better gear. Is there any sort of story tying these elements together? No, not okay. really. Okay. Or at least not that I've seen. Like maybe you could, you could talk to NPCs and stuff a little bit, but nothing too dramatic. Uh, in terms of like building and and sort mm-hmm. of like customizing your own shelter and and that sort of thing, like how intuitive have you found pretty, that to be? Pretty like building's pretty easy. Okay, you know, like I haven't really had trouble building something. If I want to build something, I can usually do it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But I think what helps with Terraria is there's like a lot of like furniture you can get for your place. Yeah, you can get like paintings and put it on well so you can kind of decorate it your own style cool um you know with this being strictly 2d do mm-hmm. you prefer that as opposed to like kind of a more sprawling 3d environment um, like I minecraft don't know, excuse me because I, I i like have barely any experience in minecraft i've played maybe oh. 30 minutes of that game in my mm, life so i don't know okay like so i can't tell you but i've been enjoying this for what it is yeah I'm just kind of a sucker for sprites, and so Tar- oh, yeah. Terraria I mean, I has that looks going really, for it. I think it looks really good. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, you and Kristen kind of going this, through this together, and, and her helping you out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always love that for for anything, right? Like it's always yeah, cool, yeah. kind of just like having this this teacher. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it just makes the the experience more fun. Uh, do you think? you would have bounced off it were it not for Kristen? Yeah, probably because I'm always like, oh man, these games don't interest me. I don't care about that. Like the first like couple hours, I was like, eh, this is okay, but I don't know if I'm going to really get into it. But as I started playing more and more and more, I started kind of seeing the appeal of this kind of type of game. Hmm. So, but now I'm like more curious to try games like Minecraft than ever. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm very much like, man, I don't want to just walk around this world and do nothing. Mm-hmm. I need a goal to work towards. But there's kind of, they've like introduced that in a lot of these type of games over time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd say like the biggest pull for Minecraft, like the best sell I could give is that because the world is randomly generated, like in some games, like in a Souls game, you like go into a chasm and you're like, all right, I have no idea what's in here, but I know whatever is in here was designed by mm-hmm. a team to make me feel a specific way or I have to achieve, you know, get a skill to get past it. And when you like open up or just like knock a hole in the floor and you're like, what? And just like yeah. drop a torch down or something. You're like, what the hell is in there? You have no mm-hmm. idea. And it's like mm-hmm. that kind of wonder of just a raw space, like Minecraft delivered in a way, like I don't, you know, very yeah. few games do of just being awestruck of just like, oh, well, you know, like that that feeling when you're, when you're like going through a wall and all of a sudden you hit lava and you're like, ah, yeah, that was close. Yeah. So, I never thought I'd be into yeah. that, but my favorite part of the game has just been something dumb. I've just been doing myself is I dug a hole straight down from our <laughs> yes. like hub. Yes. And I went all the way to hell in the game. Like Ooh. the farthest I could possibly, like I got to achieve it for going to the bottom of the map. There's a I'm hell. Like, Yes, there's like hell That's at the metal bottom. Like Let's go. Down there. Yeah, I was like, holy <laughs> shit. But it just like, I made this huge, just huge tunnel straight down with rope it can climb down and up. Yep. And I was just like, this is yep. dumb, but I had fun doing this. Just figuring out how to like build around this stuff, not get killed by water or lava or some weird zombie down there. Mm. 
Uh, you mentioned that you could play with with a bunch of people. Do you know how many mm-hmm. people you can play I with? I don't know okay. what it is max. Okay. I think maybe like you could have like seven or six people, something like that. The reason that I ask is it's like, oh, this would be like a fun thing to do on a group stream. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, totally. It is totally a group. You can totally do that. Yeah. Absolutely. You you, you would cheap. you would become the master. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, you would you would guide I'd, us. Yeah, you would. You'd hey. be you'd be our, our sensei. Yeah, not a good sensei. That's okay. I think it that? makes could... group streams more fun. Yeah. Way, yeah. Could you take your character into another realm? I think then... you can, yeah. Okay, cool. It, okay. Is there cross-play with Terraria? Because I know I it's don't on know. a bunch of stuff. I'm not sure. Okay. It's on a bunch of platforms, but yeah. I have no idea. Okay. It's not going to be on Stadia. Yeah, that's for sure. right, right. Cool. Uh, so y- you mentioned that you and Chris were going through it, you know, starting out on normal do mm-hmm. you think you're invested enough that once you get done with normal, you're going to be interested in, in going back yeah, on a higher difficulty? You know, I want to kill this this moon this moon lord. Dude, moon right, lord so. is so, just whatever it is he is. So is, like, yeah. you got to go through those harder difficulties to get to him. Yeah. So like, right, let's go. Is he calling you out? Moon lord or something? Or <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it's something. Some dude associated with the moon is a, a very funny and appealing boss to me. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like a homebrew D and D. Yeah, exactly. Antagonist. It's like yeah. the most like basic thing you could think. I of, love but it. I'm so into it. Yeah. I don't even know if that's what he's called, but it's like something with the moon. That's <laughs> what he's called now. It's just some moon guy, moon boy. I don't know. Um, I have been busy with Persona Five Strikers, but uh, for Frame Trap specifically, I was like, oh, I want to dive into that uh, at least a little bit uh, because I want to talk about it on Frame Trap. And that is uh, Bowser's Fury. Uh, oh, I played this today too. Nice. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm just gonna call them shines, but they're like cat shines. They're cat shines. Yeah, they're yeah. cat shines. Uh, I'm. I've got twenty of them right now. Uh, I don't know how many you have, Brad. I got like ten. Okay. All right. Uh, so we're not. There's still more to go in Bowser's mm-hmm. Fury, but um, yeah, I'm curious to see what you think. But the general layout of it. It's like exactly what I want out of Mario, where it's like, hey, you know, here's this place. There are a bunch of challenges you could do to get these mm-hmm. shines. Just go nuts. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly how I want Mario to be. Um, and, you know, in, in classic Mario Nintendo style, um, there are a lot of cute little gimmicks that they come up with uh, for each of the different shines. Like there's one that's that's kind of cool where like you're going along and like, you can only see the ground that you need to walk on to get through this maze to get the shine uh, a little bit at a time, but there are ways around it. Like if you are Fire Mario, you can throw fireballs down. You can reveal more more of the path. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, but there's just a ton of space to explore, um, and it's mm-hmm. nice that unlike 3D World, I, I feel like you have more control over what you're seeing at any given time. And so it feels more like a, a, a Mario 64, I guess, or like a galaxy or an odyssey uh, in that sense. And you have Bowser Jr. Who's like running around with you, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it's neat because in the options, you can decide how much he assists you. So if you do a little, it's like, okay, yeah, he'll go around and like kill enemies at certain points. Um, or if you select none at all, it's like, okay, he's not going to do anything except for like, if there's this thing on the wall that I need him to paint, he'll get me a power up, uh, which is pretty cool. And there are good 
just like general quality of life things that really help with the exploration as well where you can store a bunch of the power-ups yeah where, and that that's just so nice um because it's like oh here i need to be cat mario okay let me hit you know up on the d-pad and and get a bell and um and i feel like specifically the cat power-up is like really 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 good and so oh it's the most op yeah for sure and and like there are just so many shines and i feel like structures that revolve around you having that power that like anytime i got hit or lost it i was like oh no Mm -hmm. um and so that kind of uh tension is always nice but of course the central gimmick of the whole thing and I, i don't say that like gimmick in a in a in a bad way here but kind of the whole idea is bowser's fury and like as you're exploring, you'll see Bowser, like, sort of this, like, black goo tainted Bowser, and he will, like, rise in the distance. And when mm-hmm. he is fully risen, um, it will make traversal that much more difficult. And so, like, fire will rain down from the sky, he will sh- shoot his fiery breath at you, and you're going to need to avoid that. Um, and so it's kind of like like a Super Mario Brothers three like sun where it's like oh I got to get through this level but I have this thing that's kind of impeding me uh, but obviously a lot more there's a lot more layers to it than than just like an angry sun uh, but what's cool about it is there are certain parts of the level where it's like oh I can only get past this if Bowser breaks it. So if like he breathes on this specifically, then Mm -hmm. I will unlock, you know, like this special shine uh, that I couldn't otherwise get, which is pretty cool. Um, But Brad, how how have you felt about the, the exploration and, you know, like Bowser coming in and and rain on your parade and all that stuff? Yeah, I was, I was kind of confused at first. I didn't know if Bowser was scripted Mm. or if he, it's like a time thing. I guess I'm still not completely sure Mm -hmm. how it works. But I did like the idea of Bowser just coming in every now and then, just kind of root, coming in, trying to kill you for a little bit. And it gets all dark and stormy. Yeah. I thought that was sweet. Uh, I kind of worry about the idea of like needing Bowser to destroy certain things. But like maybe if I get to somewhere, I don't want to just sit there for two minutes, five minutes. Yeah. Just waiting for him to show up, you know? Yeah. I'm not all the way through it, but so far, like I get what you mean where it's like, okay, like I want to get this, but I need Bowser to be here. Um, mm-hmm. because for the most part, at least it seems based on my understanding that it is timing based where just like after enough time has elapsed, Bowser will come mm-hmm. up and, you know, it'll get all stormy and the like, but, uh, I feel like I have a good bit of freedom with where I go and what I choose. And like, as you get further in, it seems like you have even more yeah, you choice. Get like that, that guy you can ride in the water is like your yep. boat essentially. Yeah. Plessy, I believe is the name. Yeah. And there are shines built around that, and and mm-hmm. riding Plessy around is pretty fun. Yeah. Plus, like, pretty easy to access. Like, pretty much yep. anytime you're near water, it's like, oh, Plessy is They'll right be there. there. Yep. And yeah. and the map expands over time as well, and so you'll get more choice that way. Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, like I can go back and like clean up the areas, you know, get all the shines in the areas that I've already been doing, yeah. uh, or I can you know go on to see new islands and that sort yeah. of thing. I've only done, like, the first area, gotcha. I guess, essentially, but I've enjoyed it so far. It feels like almost like a Odyssey DLC yeah, or something. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I think it's good. I want to play through the rest of it. My biggest gripe that I would say... Oh, and I should mention that you can play this with 
uh, another uh, person. Yeah, right? and they, they can be Bowser Jr. for you. I haven't messed mm-hmm. around at all with that. But um, my biggest gripe so far is like, so after you collect a certain amount of shines, you can become basically like Super Saiyan Super Mario. Super Saiyan, yeah. Um, and you, you have a battle with Bowser and... Like you're you're supposed to get into these confrontations with Bowser, and like the first time you do it, it's like oh this is like a pretty fun boss fight. But like now having done it multiple times, I'm just like okay, this is kind of getting old. Like yeah, they, it changes and you get more layers added to the fights as they progress. But there is still a kind of sameness as you do it multiple times, and you're like yeah, I, this isn't. As exciting as it initially was. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I, I would, I'm worried about is it being too frequent mm. in between. So I'm like, you know, you fight one, then maybe like 30 minutes later yeah. or 45 minutes later, you do the same thing again. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. And again, it's not like exactly the same, but it's yeah. certainly similar Yeah, there's little changes. But it's like, you think of Mario 64, you know, a lot of those fights are the same, right. pretty much the same with Bowser. But right. it's like, you got to do a lot usually if you're just playing normally to get to that right. stage. Right. Yeah, and I feel like unlike say like a Mario 64 or something which, you know, you get good enough at it and you can go very very quickly. Yeah, yeah. But unlike unlike that, you know, this is definitely meant to be a smaller experience and so mm-hmm. I do feel like those encounters naturally as a result happen um, more frequently. But I am having a really good time with it, you know, like um as kind of its own little thing, I think mm-hmm. it's yeah. pretty fun. I don't think it's like sixty dollars fun on its own. No, it's not. But uh, like as a bonus, it's a cool little bonus. Yeah, that I greatly appreciate. Felt very Nintendo like. Yeah, I was like, you're putting this in this game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's fun. It's it's like I don't know. I I, I am a I always appreciate, and I feel like on a certain level, am a sucker for. 3D platformers where it's like, oh, okay, there's like all these secrets for me to find. And they Mm -hmm. do that in a bunch of different ways. Of course, there are the shines themselves, but like there are basically like red coins where it's like, oh, if I collect enough of these on each of the islands, like that will be worth its own shine. So not only are you trying to solve puzzles and challenges to get the big shines, but if you get enough Mm -hmm. of these little coins, they'll reward you. And there are even like, even little littler things where like you'll be running around and like, Oh, my controller is vibrating here. Oh, if I ground pound this, like I'll get a little reward. And yeah. so just like uncovering all that stuff is a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, bunch of little challenges. Nintendo is very good at coming up with a bunch of ideas. That's definitely on display yep. here. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed my time with it yeah. so far. I, I think if you like Mario, yeah. you'll like this. Right, exactly. It's like <laughs> you hate reducing it to that, but at yeah. the same time, like you know, like, like you I don't know, know worth, I don't think it's worth sixty dollars on its own. No, no. But yeah, I agree. I think 3D World is a really fun game in itself. Right, so. right. Yep, I totally agree. And you can jump straight to this. It's yep, like in the immediately in the or something. Yep. Yeah, okay, cool. You boot up like and 3D like, World plus Bowser's Fury, and it's like. Literally a screen where it's like, do you want this one or this one? Because uh, I haven't messed around with 3D World on the Switch at all yet, but I because I wanted to go right into Bowser's Fury, mm-hmm. and it was nice that they let me do that. Because uh, I don't think I want to play through all of 3D World again sure. right now, uh, but sure. I do want to check out Bowser's Fury. So that was, was fun. Brandon, uh, 
I think you are bringing like one of the most interesting things yes. to Frame Trap that we've had yes. maybe ever, but at least in a good while, and that is Sesame Street. The timestamp oh, yes. for that, this is <laughs> Sesame Street. Yes. I feel bad because you want your child to explore the world and find things that they are interested in. But like their entertainment needs to start somewhere. Like you right. need to, like, they, like they're not going to like just sit there with a the controller going through Apple TV and like, they're not going to find something, you know, on their own. And so we were like, Oh, Sesame Street is probably like just a safe thing to put on. And um, one thing that's a bummer is, you know, this used to be public television. This used to, everybody used to have access to Sesame Street. And now Sesame Street is uh, behind that HBO paywall. But the bonus is you have, like, all of Sesame Street's, from what I can tell, like, just the entire life of Sesame Street. And so it was interesting to go back to, like, the end of the 70s and start it, like, from the beginning and be like, man, I'm not even sure I've seen some of these episodes. And um, I'm bringing Sesame Street to Frame Trap not just because I feel like I have to watch this because of my son or I've been absorbing so much of it, so I might as well talk about it. Right. The, the, the show rules. The show is <laughs> legitimately amazing uh, for several reasons. One thing, um, it, just from a raw, you know, children's television from a quality level, it's, uh, I, I think, especially in the 21st century, you know, our, our culture and media has become much more aware of, of how to create something that uh, will satisfy you know, multiple people from multiple walks of life. And that's something that we're still trying to get better at, that we're still learning about people who are not necessarily represented as much as others in media. And it's wild to see the show 50 years ago. That's like, yeah, do you want multiple ethnicities on a show? We got it. Like, do you mm -hmm. want, you know, like, yes, there's children in wheelchairs. There's children with Down syndrome. There's children speaking other languages. We're just going to throw in, you know, like other languages because it's not a big deal, you know? And it's, it's kind of like Mr. Rogers. We were just like, wow, this man was so light years ahead of his time in terms of like how not necessarily simple, but like how um, rewarding it can be to communicate, you know, to a child or create entertainment that can really be appreciated by, uh, you know, by many, many different people simultaneously. And so it's, it's really cool seeing very simple things, uh, demonstrated one of my favorites was uh just forgot how much i loved big bird you know i'm, I'm so big on the muppets <laughs> now and it's just like going back to the show and being like oh it is all of any partner and you're great you know and like grover's great and but it's just like wow i i was in love with big bird i forgot like how fascinating a puppet that this is this guy's like mm -hmm. one arm up over his head one hand to the side and it's not like he's just like, oh, I'm standing on the side here. He's roller skating. He's getting in and out of vehicles. He's opening doors. He's like, there's so many things. So you're just like, yeah, Big Bird's walking around. And then like you kind of get snapped out of it. You're like, wait, that's a person who is has very low visibility. <laughs> is very mm -hmm. cramped inside this thing. And is doing the voiceover while he's puppeting, the. Th I guess? Like how – I had like a debate with Amanda. I'm like, how the hell are they recording him? Mm. Is that like, there's no wire coming out of his foot. Is this like, did they ever like, did radio mics sound that good in like the eighties? Like I can't, it's crazy. Well, um, that's interesting. Cause I, I know, you know, Amanda obviously does a lot of like acting and, mm -hmm. and voiceover works like on a professional level. Does she have any insight into that process? I mean, she, again, a lot of the work that she does is either in our booth or in a booth, you know, in a sure. recording studio. And so again, just like, 
the hoops that these these uh um uh you know puppeteers had to jump through it's it's interesting seeing kind of like the the barriers set up in like a way when i was a kid i was just like oh this is the way sesame street looks now and like watching it now i'm like oh i see what they did <laughs> like to block that because they're like that's where frank oz is <laughs> you know like trying to make it work or even when they're just, like big bird just went to camp and so it's like we can't build a forest you know like so we have to kind of get creative about like i'm just gonna hide here behind this rock <laughs> just put this plant over here and then i'm just gonna pretend like um or you know like they, they take the bus there and it's like okay that's not a real bus like the bus they're driving in the action shots that's like the real bus but the bus that was sitting on sesame street is clearly some wooden thing that they mm-hmm. just like can slap together uh um, aren't they doing a muppets disney plus show isn't that like upcoming? uh Muppets is coming to so so Sesame Street is on HBO Max. The Muppet Show is coming to Disney Plus in like a week, less than a week. Okay, I was we uh, got to get you and Amanda like a role on that show. The old cl- well, it's, it's just back. the old classic. Muppet oh, okay. Show. They're it's not doing old, they're not doing a new like the one. Seventies or whatever. There is there was a show called Muppets Now that was like Muppets in the pandemic. It was like Muppets on like webcams and stuff, and like what? we saw, we saw one episode of it, and we're like. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was like it was not not much not much. Must yeah. Watch I was I was mistaken with that. I thought they were doing a new one. No. I don't know. I don't believe I. It, it, the world of the Muppets is kind of confusing because they they all have like Twitter accounts. You know. They like, all, all they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can like follow like Swedish Chef and like. Oh. Yeah. I would follow Swedish Chef. I should do sure. that. Yeah. And uh, it's it's w- one thing that man it does do a lot of is improv, and it's another thing I just like forgot about Sesame Street. To where it's like, there was like some sketches where they're just like talking about the letter R. And it's like, did they write this? <laughs> or did somebody like, did mm-hmm. like Jim Henson come on set and just be like, all right, I have this crazy idea. Let's just do this. Just roll. We'll just, we'll do it. You know, and you can clearly tell like, oh yeah, they were just winging this. Like some of the, you know, Bert and Ernie sketches are like, okay, there's a script they're following. This is very Abbott and Costello. Like there's a clear setup here. But like other stuff were just like. These are just two monsters fighting over a pillow. What are you even <laughs> watching right now? Mm-hmm. And some super psychedelic animation, you know, like the old class. I don't know if you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's like the classic, like like one through twelve jam. And I'm like watching it, and you're like going through a pinball machine, and there's all these bright lights, Whoa. and it's like, yeah, this is a good way to get kids. <laughs> like they they're learning numbers, but really they're just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't bright lights i don't remember this at all and it's so frustrating because like i know sesame i watched sesame street as a very young child and i know like i think i consumed a lot of it but i was just so young that it's like mm-hmm. almost all escaped me like i know who the characters are generally and, and that sort of thing but like i just yeah. don't remember this yeah i don't really know if i watched a lot of sesame street but watched a lot of Wee's playhouse yeah, Maybe that go. was my thing. But, yeah, but what go. you're talking about, I feel like... When we get to Pee Wee's, I'll, I'll come back <laughs> yeah. and, trap and give you an update. Kind of reminds Pee-wee's me of, like, stuff. Schoolhouse Rock with, sure. with the animation. A lot of the songs kind of have that that vibe, mm. that old, yeah, the, the 70s, 80s animation. But um, it, uh, just a couple, three more things. One thing that is, is fun was... The El- the actual history of Elmo was that he was a puppet on Sesame Street for a long time, and then just the guy who the original creator um, who did the the voice and, and puppeted Elmo, 
uh, would just do Elmo as like a character on the side. And then they saw him were like, dude, that's a solid character. You should, we should like give you bits. And then just kids just completely like latched onto him. But Elmo has been there like the whole time. And so it's fun seeing like, you know, uh, uh, you know, something where they're talking about letters or numbers and like a bunch of little crazy monsters comes in and like, there's Elmo, you know, and like, mm-hmm. he's just, you know, some weird guy, the guy who does scooter is just like doing Elmo in the background. It's just grab like, oh, no, I'll grab this little red weirdo. Um, and it reminds me, and I knew this before I was rewatching Sesame Street, but when I first met Kermit, it was not in the Muppet show. It was not in the Muppet movie. It was on Sesame Street. Mm. And so Kermit, the entertainer, Kermit, the host, Kermit was a reporter. Like Kermit to me was like, you know, all right, Kermit the Frog, we're on the moon and let's talk to some of the, you know, like Kermit was like fedora trench That's coat a good microphone. Kermit that was Kermit, you know? So it was like when I saw the Muppet movie, I was like, oh, he's look at all these. He's got a friend who's a bear. This is cool. <laughs> you know, like, it was like it was really funny, like going back to like the origins of this character that I'm sure a lot of people, you know, who maybe didn't watch Sesame Street like that was not their, mm-hmm. their Kermit. There was one bit where like this woman this princess gets kissed by a frog or something where they do the reverse of the frog prince where like she kisses someone and then it turns into a, the the princess turns into a frog. And then like the prince is like, Hey, what the hell? And then Kermit's like, Oh, hi. And then he's like, Hey, I know this, uh, this diner around the corner. You want to go get a coffee? And the frog's like, all right. And then they go off. Kermit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, getting, getting lucky on Sesame street. But the, the, I think the main reason why I felt comfortable bringing this to Frame Trap was if you have HBO Max, if you got it for like Wonder Woman 1984, and you're like, oh yeah, I got a month left of that. Boy, that one thing movie. That is, one thing that is satisfying about the way Sesame Street is set up is the guest star episodes are 10 out of 10, and they're all named that. So if you want to just go find R2-D2 and C-3PO or... Uh, um, James Earl Jones is in one episode. I do want he, to he, see that. Yes, he hangs out with Mr. Hooper for a little bit. Uh, there's an Adora episode with Mr. Rogers where, like, uh, Big Bird is gonna have a race with Snuffleupagus, and like, I forgot that Snuffleupagus like wasn't real. Like, he's real now, but like originally was not real for a really long time. So, like, all the other humans on Sesame Street were like fed up with Snuffleupagus. They were like, "Okay, Big Bird, yeah, your elephant friend." Uh. Brennan, and- <laughs> Brennan I, I hate to break this to you, but none of them are real. None of them are real. <laughs> real in your heart. Yeah. But so, mm-hmm. like, Mr. Rogers is just there, and Big Bird's like, hey, you, can you help me? I'm going to race my, my elephant friend. Can you help me, like, score the race or time it? And, and Mr. Rogers is like, yeah, sure. And so it's like, but that episode is called Mr. Rogers Visit Sesame Street. So if you want to just go through the episodes and, like, find one, it's not, you don't have to, like, dig for that stuff. Um, and so it's, it's fun to see these little, like little cameo episodes every now and then. So like, those are legitimately fun if Mm. you just want to jump in and, and much like it's fun to find old episodes that you've taped of like old movies from the eighties. And then you like revisit some Folgers commercial and you're like, Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, it's kind of fun seeing, you know, getting a little dose of Sesame street, just kind of seeing what the world was like. Um, they, they got a, they, they had some film shoot at the zoo that boy, they got a lot of mileage out of, you know, there's just like a little, a little musical break. That's like, and here's a monkey. Okay. That was 60 seconds. Anyway, moving on. They're like, and here's a kangaroo. <laughs> Sick. Uh, random question, but just you mentioning Mr. Rogers make me, made me think about it. Did, did either of you see the. Mr. Rogers movie that came out not that long ago with with Tom Hanks was playing Mr. Rogers. I've not no. yet. 
I there's a really good documentary about him that I did see. That's called like something like uh, whatever the song is. Something in the neighborhood. I can't mm. remember. But a wonderful um, day, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I think it's called. Yeah. Um, which is like as, as if you didn't have love for that man. Just like oh mm-hmm. my goodness, he was uh, he was very groundbreaking and just completely unafraid to just you know deal with. And Sesame Street was as well. Like when Mr. Hooper died, they were just like Mr. Hooper died. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna we're not gonna like. He didn't, you know, drive to some farm upstate. We're going to just tackle that head on, you know. Yeah, and like, shit got was, real. That was like the challenger. Street. That was like very eye-opening. I remember as a kid being like, wait, he de- what do you mean he died? Like, he's not coming back. But we love him and we'll remember him and he'll always be a part of Sesame Street. You uh, were talking about like Kermit and him being a reporter to you. And that just made me realize like there's there's so many characters where like depending on who you talk to, the way that they shape them in their mind is is probably different depending on, you know, their age and stuff. And, like, man, like, Mario has to be that for so many people. Like, mm-hmm. like of course, we appreciate it. We, we have an appreciation for so many different eras of Mario because we've been through it. But, like, because of who you are, like, when you think of Mario, the, the first thing that comes to your mind probably has to be different. And, like, I was thinking about... Zelda is is good for that too where like when I think about Zelda and like Link I think my brain probably immediately goes to like Ocarina of Time because that was the very first Zelda I've played and yeah I'm just curious like what that is like for you guys if there's a Mario or Zelda that you kind of like immediately jump to based on past experience uh it's so weird for me because I associate different types or different eras of Zelda and Mario to like a mood mm-hmm. a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And it just depends how I'm feeling. Sure. Like if I'm feeling super nostalgic, I always think of Zelda one mm. and specifically like where I was in my life playing Zelda one when I was like two or whatever, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like a lot of times, like I think about breath of wild now just cause it's the most recent one. Yeah. 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 It's crazy to think of somebody like, yeah, a kid out there with the switch and the breath of the wilds, like the, their intro to mm-hmm. Zelda. Yeah. You know, to like, what could they, what would they think of some of these older games, especially like if they played Link's awakening later and they were like, what is this? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> this is, this is Zelda. This is kind of what the whole thing's based on, but it, actually it's Link's awakening the might have been the first Zelda game that I played. Sorry. Like, you know, like when I think about all those characters, you know, like Captain N, you know, that old Mario cartoon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I, I didn't really get into the, the crazy Zelda cartoon. Did you see the Be- the Beavis version? Have you seen that? No. So somebody somebody tweeted, somebody took a Beavis and Butthead voiceover and put it in the Zelda show. And That's so it's like, awesome. I do so want like, to see this. It's, it, and so it's, it's it's Zelda's natural voice from the show, but uh, the uh, the king of Hyrule is Butthead and uh, uh Link is Beavis, Excellent. and it fits just perfectly because <laughs> he's very inventive. So there's just a lot of him like getting ready to like ascend, like swing into like you know Zelda's like tower, and he's like, okay, here we go, this gonna be cool. But and 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 likewise, the art from the books, you know, just that classic you yeah. know, cartoony yeah, take yeah, yeah. on on Link, like that all kind of man fits into my my vision of it such an old man thing to say but like kids today are missing out by not getting instruction manuals like i know but so many they of them so yeah they, they it's true that they don't it's probably give a shit, shit. but 
some of those men running straight into the game itself you know it's like you can get information so easily nowadays you just instantly but like tutorials my ass and it's like you needed you needed them back in the day a lot of times i just yeah just like seeing character art is just just cool you just just don't get that anymore how else are you gonna know their blood type i know right (laughs) their height uh Brandon, how long is a typical episode of, of Sesame Street? Is it your standard, like, 20 minutes? 20? Yeah, it's just 20, okay. 30. And it's, t- like, there's no, there's, like, a story, kind of. There's, like, a mm-hmm. beginning and end, but, like, we don't, you Dude. know. Dude. I'll be, I'll be watching the morning with Milo, and there'll be some weird cartoon where it's just like, hey, I, you know, I'm an alligator, and these are my kids, and I'm a king, and I'm going to hand it down to one of them, and, up, oh, I gave it to this one. And Milo's just, like, done with his bottle. He's like, all right, I'm done with this. He'll get off the couch. I'm like, all right, right we're done, you know? And then, like, yeah. we'll, next day we'll pick up from that point, and he's not like, wait a minute. <laughs> Big Bird's doing what? And it's like, it, they all just kind of bleed into each other. Sure. So. I would love for you, Brandon, to do a super expensive Sesame Street timeline. Sure. And take it extremely for like thirty thousand dollar well, graphics. They, that's yeah. another thing too. Is they, they they travel a lot. They go to like uh, Hawaii at one point, you know. Cool. And it's they don't like it's not faked. Like they're in Hawaii, you know. And so they, uh, it's neat for them to go on trips. And again, it's just a very worldly show. It's just a it's it's a a show in a lot of ways that leads by example. And so it's just nice. I feel comforted knowing that like. No, it's not like as much as I love Pee Wee, you know, I could just see him like seeing Jombie and being like, what the hell? You know, I think there's a lot of unusual things, but just not a lot of uh, not a lot of stuff you got to worry about in terms of like, does it hold up? Is mm. this, you know, like, you know, with with again, just our society and how everything is changing, you know, so fast in terms of like us realizing things we didn't realize before. People having voices, you know, that are much louder than what they had, especially in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, it's it's really satisfying to go back to Sesame Street and being like, oh. They, they already had this shit figured out, you know? Like, they're good. Brandon, you talking about Sesame Street is very cozy. But I think it's time to get a little uncozy with this hotake! Uh, Not as cozy as Little Nightmares, but, you know, cozy. <laughs> it's cozy to me, damn it. <laughs> hey, I mean, I think in a weird way, Resident Evil's cozy. I yeah, think Silent Hill is cozy in a... Sometimes... That's a weird thing to say. That doesn't really make sense. But uh, for this otake, I tried not to uh, overlap with the podcast too much if I can help it. And I don't think, kind of poking around on Slack, I don't think you guys really talked about this too much. And so I thought, hey, this is kind of interesting. Uh, and and this involves uh, Ubisoft in an earnings call saying that they're, they're going to kind of lean into, I guess, uh, free-to-play games a little bit more um okay i don't think you talked about this on the podcast right that you recall Mm-mm. okay Mm-mm. all right so to give you some uh context for this and i'm taking this from ign so credit to ign for this information um but cfo frederick duguet uh said that they they will that their model you know is kind of based i'm paraphrasing here but their model is based on triple a games and they're going to stick with that for a while but uh, they, they would like to f- go lean more heavily on new premium and free-to-play experiences. And then the AAA premium and, tri- and free-to-play experiences will all like feed on each other through complementary gameplay and, and business models. Um, and as of right now, 
mobile makes up about 9% of Ubisoft's total business. Um, but some uh, some other interesting things here, uh, kind of like as they're leaning more on, on free-to-play, um, they not that long ago, they just had Hyperscape, which is a free-to-play battle royale that did not meet right. expectations, which they're in yeah. the process of overhauling. Um, but some, some other interesting things like talking, uh, CEO Eve Guillermont said that like, Hey, like things that we already have going, like our back catalog, those, those things will be an even larger share of our business going forward. A good example of this is Rainbow Six Siege actually gained, uh, 15 million new players in the last 12 months, uh, which is pretty, pretty wow. impressive, <laughs> man. After all that time, but that's I, awesome. I, I just think it is interesting, you know, thinking about Ubisoft. I think a lot of people, of course, think of things like Assassin's Creed and and Far Cry and Rainbow Six and 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 things that have been very well established, sort of within their repertoire. And so them talking about like, hey, you know, we want to focus more on on free to play. We want to focus more on sort of like recurring mm. things that will get us money and on a recurring basis that mm-hmm. sort of style uh is is interesting to think about the future and and kind of speculating like what form will that take what direction do you think ubisoft is going to go here one one interesting thing is that's they're kind of doing that in immortals a little bit so mm. you, there are like dailies that you can do uh there's a daily quest a weekly quest and a monthly quest i think and um uh, it's funny because like Amanda's playing it on Switch right now, and like that's like her main thing. Like every day, she's like, "Oh, gotta do my dailies," and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's just a cosmetic thing. Like if you want to level up, you know, like don't don't get stuck on doing those things." But she just loves, like she she loves the open world nature of it and just going out and like exploring stuff and not necessarily like getting through the story or, you know, finishing um, the, the dungeons and stuff. And you know, <sighs> Valhalla was so long and. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't just a question of like, I don't want to play this game anymore. It's like, you're just, I, I don't think it would have sold less had there been like Huber and I, when we did the spoiler mode, like uh, it's funny. He even mentioned, he was like, there could have been two less chapters, I think. And when we were going back through, there were exactly two chapters we couldn't remember. I like said the title of it. We were like, what happened in that chapter? And so it was like, literally it was exactly two chapters that were just like superfluous to us. It was like, yeah, it didn't really add anything to the campaign. And, so I kind there is a part of me granted, you know, like I'm, I'm a sucker for uh, free to play stuff, but like, if that means that they'll maybe sample some fun ideas and have them be more accessible, if there was like a way you could play immortals and like not get into the story or maybe not do the dungeon stuff, but just kind of run around the world and you could do that for free. Um, and then if you're thinking this is really fun, okay, I actually want to get into the game. And then if the game would be, you know, 40 bucks instead of 60 or something like there could be, um, they make such interesting worlds. It would be fun, you know, if there was kind of like a less of a barrier to entry. Um, cause like we got that way with MMOs, like MMOs had like a real strict pricing structure. And then over time they were like, God, we just got to give this game away because we got to get people into it. And so I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if it's, if it's, uh, um, easier to mm-hmm. access, you know, the game and get interested in it before, like Engine Impact. You know, I think uh, if they did more stuff like that. Yes, I was thinking. I'm like, I bet they're smelling that Genshin Impact money. And they're like, hey, we could do something like that. 
Yeah, there, there's a couple of interesting things to talk about here. And I think um, some other information that is valuable is they're working with Tencent to make an Assassin's Creed game for mobile for the Chinese market. Um, and also, speaking of Valhalla, apparently the, the sales of Valhalla, like it did extremely well and it helped Ubisoft have their most profitable quarter ever. And mm -hmm. so I wonder if kind of what they're talking about here is like having their cake and eating it too. Cause you know, you mentioned uh, Immortals, Brandon, and, and sort of like the dailies and that sort of thing. But also like in Assassin's Creed, they already have microtransactions. It feels like in everything they do, they have mm -hmm. some they form of microtransactions. And so like they can keep doing that. And then like, further integrate maybe like mobile games that they're developing and it's like hey like if you do a certain amount in this mobile game we'll give you like i don't know bonus experience or like a, a piece of armor or an extra quest or something in assassin's creed which is not I mean, something i would be excited about yeah i mean you, they already kind of do that with like their you play points or whatever right. you know Right. It carries over to that store. It's like, oh, you got you play points you can use to spend in game. Mm. Get this armor set or something. I Yeah, you, you know, you, you mentioned you play and like them having their their own system for that. And then there's also like Twitch integration with certain things. Yep. And it yep. just like <laughs> maybe this is an outdated mentality, I suppose, cuz like if it works, it works, I guess, but like at a certain point it's like how many things do I need to be aware of? to enjoy your game it's like oh, yeah okay I mean, it's super annoying yeah dude. it's like Assassin's creed there's so much like it feels like outside of the game or outside of the main scenario mm -hmm. that there is to the game like there's all those microtransactions you could buy like a lot of them and there's like like you said the twitch thing and there's the you play thing it's just like man just let me like play the game dude and like you don't have to do that stuff obviously but it's there man and it's kind of it's kind of annoying right yeah and, and again like you you talk about it like being optional and you're right that 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 is true but it is annoying and like i wonder if it's only going to get worse i guess especially if they're talking yeah, about I mean, like it hasn't their, gotten it hasn't gotten better their focus changing um but like hyperscape is an interesting example because it it just feels like no one cared about hyperscape right like right yep and so I wonder if with these new initiatives, right, and Hyperscape being a free-to-play game, if the lesson that they take from that is, like, not developing necessarily new IP, but focusing on things that are already successful and, and you know, taking AAA things and, and experimenting with new business models for those things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, it's it's that would definitely be a shift, I think, for Ubisoft because it seems like Ubisoft is always cooking up some new IP. Like they're mm. they're, they're it's almost like every year there's at least one. You know, it's like Steep and or Mortals or now Steep is now Riders Republic. Like I they, forgot they zigged that and zagged. Steep and, was a thing. You know, and like mm -hmm. even like you know like you know we're already on Watch Dogs three, but like Watch Dogs was a crazy new thing when it was first introduced. Yeah. and um, uh, and so it yeah, they would be interesting. Yeah, for them to kind of double down on on franchises that they're already familiar with. One thing that I appreciate in Immortals is like when they introduce you to those elements in the game. Like Phoenix is actively like taken aback. He's like, "Wait, what? 
and like Hermes is like, I can, I'll just give you this if you just if you give me money, I'll give you the, this stuff. And Phoenix is like, that's that's gross. <laughs> You know, like, I'm not... No, well, yeah, I'm, cool. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the developers <laughs> like, oh, would right. rather not have all that stuff in their game, but, right. you know. Mm-hmm. It's a little self-aware, at least. Mm-hmm. Is this... You know, when a company like Ubisoft is like, hey, you know, we want to <laughs> lean more into free-to-play, on a on a personal level for you as a consumer, just as Brandon Jones and Brad Ellis, does that worry you at all? I mean, it doesn't sound appealing to me at all. Like, I don't really care about free-to-play. There are free-to-play offerings currently. Mm-hmm. So. Brennan, I think you, you I think you have enjoyed mobile and been more, like, consistently invested in mobile than a lot of, if not all, the other allies. Mm-hmm. Like, them going more into mobile, is that something where you're like, oh, like, I could dig this. You know, I enjoyed valhalla if there was like a cool mobile game that tied into yeah. future assassin's creed i could be into it i could see i think the best case scenario is uh and this might be not the way that that money worked out but one fascinating stat that i just saw was um that we talked about on the podcast was uh you know ea is potentially wrapping up their you know tenure as the sole proprietor of the star wars franchise and apparently made three bill off of their their time with star wars over all of their various projects mm. and one billion of that was not only from mobile, but specifically Galaxy Galaxy of Heroes, this game I'm right. like obsessed with. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars Squadrons got free DLC. And so I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if they're like, well, we made our tough money by, you know, our, our whales, you know, from Galaxy of Heroes. And so because we got that, let's make our, you know, you know, either multiplayer, single player focused shooter fans on console and PC happy. Uh, with some free extras in this one game. So, like, hopefully it kind of balances out that, like, you know, all of these franchises don't have to sell their souls in order to, you know, try to make money across the board. They can recognize, like, oh, we're going to... Kind of like with Nintendo. Like, when Nintendo started to have more of a mobile focus, we were all like, oh, no. You know, it's like our... You know, but you can just kind of download and check out Pocket Camp. And, like, even just looking at it, you get a couple fun things to throw into New Horizons. So, like, it didn't really... You know, like uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Poison the well, I think. You know, like that's it's, what it's I worried about. Experience. So as long as they have that clear, you know, uh, separation. But um, yeah, uh, it just worries me, Ben, because like it's already in there, right? It's already in a lot of their games. Oh, like yeah. they're like you know, a few drops of poison in there. Like the whole bottle's not poured in there, but there's like a few, <laughs> little, bloop, 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 a few little drops in there, dude. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Not to be overly cynical, I guess, but reading this stuff and and seeing it with other companies like you always get this sense that like it's like okay this was successful like let's just copy that and like wring as much out of this as we possibly can to the point where it's just like overwhelming and so what i mean from that is like thinking about ea and like seeing how successful like fifa is and how they monetize Mm -hmm. that it's just like you get the sense that it's like okay we need more of this uh and and with Mm -hmm. ubisoft specifically it's like how how can we turn everything into you know recurring money payment yeah uh and like i mentioned that like no one really cared about hyperscape because it i i haven't played hyperscape right but it it clearly wasn't as successful as they wanted it to be and and from an outside perspective it's just like yeah cuz you're just 
jumping in to an overcrowded genre, like trying literally, to make the same literally jumping in. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like crazy money. And it's just, it just feels like a ripoff. And I think that is the thing that worries me the most is you think about Assassin's Creed, right? And like what made it, I think such a huge hit was it was kind of built on this really cool idea of, mm-hmm. of, you know, this, this sort of like history and, and modern timeline being merged and the crazy story that spun out of it. And just like the innovation in parkour <coughs> and all of that stuff. I'm not saying Assassin's Creed isn't currently doing cool things, but I just don't want everything that they're doing to feel like this desperate money-driven oh, race like, to the bottom. Yeah, we and that and like you know that that's how these suits yeah. think. Like we got to get in on that. We got to get in on that. It's like it's the reason why that's working is because like it's it's built on good ideas. Like you can't just I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's frustrating because there's some cool ideas you see from them every now and then, like Mario and. Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle is like a really weird game. Yeah, absolutely. But it's cool. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think about like Child of Light, like a weird mm-hmm. 2D RPG that they made a long time ago. It's like, they have really cool ideas and small games kind of like that every now and then, but I do, I don't want them to leave that behind. Like, you gotta have your mobile games, your your cash castles make the money. I totally get that. But I hope we just don't lose a lot of those other uh, experiences in the process. Uh-huh. Are we ready for some emails? Yes. Um, are you? Do you guys want to play a game? Mm-hmm. Sure. Jigsaw. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the exact. Same. I was about to do the <laughs> jigsaw voice, Brad. Um, this game comes in from Brandon. Uh, so I'm gonna have you guys play it since I'm gonna be looking at the answers. Uh. How many in a franchise? Hello, everyone. We have all those franchises we're a fan of, but do we really know just how many games there are in a single franchise? Well, I'm curious to know if you're aware of how many games are in some of my favorites. So below are 10 of my personal top tier IP, and your goal is to guess the number of games in said franchise. Closest to the correct number wins, and no, you do not have to name them all. I will provide each game in every franchise if you're curious, but this game's goal is only to see how close you can get to the correct number. I'll start you off with a couple of easy ones, and then they'll get progressively harder. All numbers collected from their respective Wikipedia pages. Thanks for taking this game if you do, and stay easy, fellow allies. All right, so uh, the way that we'll do it is I will say a franchise, and then you both will say a number, and of course you can kind of deliberate and say games in the franchise if you want, but whoever gets the the closest to the number uh, will win. And it seems like he's not counting DLC here as like its own entry. So okay. just just games. Uh, so the first one we have here is Borderlands. Borderlands? Borderlands. How many Borderlands games are there? Five? Five, yeah. You got Tales, the pre-sequel, and then one, two, three. Right. Yeah, I would actually count that as correct. Because what's interesting here is he doesn't count Tales from the Borderlands. Just oh. one, two, pre-sequel, and three. But I would agree with you that Tales from the Borderlands also counts. Yeah. Okay. So I would put that in the Borderlands franchise. Yeah. Take that, it Brandon. Borderlands in the title. All right. So we'll uh, we'll give Brandon one, Brad one there. Uh, you both get a point. All right. Sly Cooper. 
four? Yeah. I'm, oh, wait. I'm, I'm yeah, four. to you. Four is correct. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So, Brandon, I know you just kind of followed Brad's lead there. Should we get? Should I give you both a point or just Brad yeah, a point? Yeah, just give them both a point. All right. Brad. Hey, hey, you know what? Brad said both a point. Both a point. Two and two. Both uh, so, Brandon. for Sly Cooper, we have Thievius Raccoonus, Band of Thieves, Honor Among Thieves, and Thieves in, in Time. Time. The Resistance, the first-person shooter franchise. How many Resistance? Uh, five? Oh. Because there one, two, three, but then I know there was like there's a PSP, PSP one, game. and there's yeah. a Vita one. What's Vita one? What okay. say you, Brandon? I'll go five. Okay, yeah. you're both correct, Brad. You are crushing this game. So we have re- <laughs> we have Fall of Man two, Retribution on PS3, or I'm sorry, not not PS3, PSP three, uh, and then Burning Skies on Vita. Right. All right, getting a little bit harder. Uncharted. Um, I guess there's six if you count Lost Legacy. I think one, two, three. I would say initially four, five, but I get yeah. Oh, Golden yeah, Abyss and Lost Legacy, right? So you say six? Yeah, seven. Oh, I think shit, the one that missing? that you're leaving off. There's like that card battling game, Fight for Fortune. Oh, okay. Whoa. I forgot that existed. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, you've. You've totally got it. Forgot. So Drake's wow. Fortune, yeah. Among Thieves, Uncharted Card Game, Drake's Deception, Fight for Fortune, Golden Abyss, A Thief's End, and Lost Legacy. Yeah, that was kind of a can't, gotcha. You can't rule out Gwent when Witcher comes around. We got to remember Gwent. Uh, there's another. There's another kind of gotcha here as well. So keep that in mind. So Gears of War. Okay. So there's tactics now plus the. Four, there's tactics. Yeah. Five to six, six. Seven. Eight. Seven. I'd say seven. But I don't know. Eight. Uh, Brad is going to pull ahead here because nice. there is eight. Crazy. Were one, you... two, three. Mm-hmm. Five. Judgment. Judgment. Yeah. Tactics. Five. Tactics, then Funko Pop one. You got the Funko Pop oh, one. Yeah. Funko Pop. You, you got it. Forget that I bullshit, thought, dude. I, hey. You think I'd forget that? <laughs> I wouldn't think of it. Oh, that, that, I, that made me laugh yeah. really hard when they announced that. Uh, all right. God of War, not counting the upcoming Ragnarok because it's not out yet. I'm sorry, tangent. Isn't it like the end of Blade Two where he's like, "You think I forget you, King? Yes." Or like, what does he say? Like that guy who thinks he got away from Blade and then comes back at the end of the movie. That's Funko Pop. (laughs) Yeah, it's like reaches through the wall, grabs him. Like I forgot. Uh, Let's see, God of War. God of War. Um, seven. I'll go eight. Why not? Uh, Brandon actually ties it up. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. Okay. So this is forgetting. This is. I'm I'm gonna have to double check this. Um, because Brandon has down here one, two, Chains of Olympus, three, Ghost of Sparta, Ascension, and God of War 2018. But he also has Betrayal on mobile, which I don't think I I don't think I've ever heard of this. (laughs) So I'm gonna look this up. I've I've never heard of betrayal either, but I knew yeah. there's, there's got to be one yeah, more. Yeah, this is a thing. Okay, this okay. is actually a thing. Apparently, got nine out of ten on IGN. What? All right. Hey, all right. Series can do no wrong. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> when Ascension, it's like literally the worst game. Yeah. It's like that's a pretty good franchise. All right, so we're all tied up. Uh, what is this game? 
this one's hard. We're getting we're getting into hard territory. Doom. Oh my god. Uh this is going to be really hard. Uh let's see. I like get fan mods conf- like confused now too. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I'll say 9. Ten. Brad gets it. Brad pulls ahead oh, once again. It's close. Uh, again, I'm just relying on on the email mm-hmm. here. But uh, we have Doom, Doom Two, Hell on Earth, sixty four, three, and then you have Doom RPG, two RPG, and Resurrection Doom. all on mobile. Yeah. Doom VF, VFR, VFR, Doom twenty sixteen. Oh, that? That's and, a, thing. and okay. Eternal. Yeah. Then the next one, Brad will definitely have an advantage on, and that is uh, Kingdom Hearts. How many Kingdom Hearts games? Oh my dude, there's a, okay. Is one point five its own game? Yeah, I guess we'll just do tricky. like. Did they count just separate games? Okay, just separate I games. Yeah. I can take a stab at it. Okay, this can be tough one. Shit, hold on. Eight? Say eight. Brand says eight. Uh, I think it's nine. Brad is closer. Uh, so according to I, the email, wow. it says eleven. So we've okay. got one. Go list them I- off. I just can I was I was surprised Brad by how many I can list. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Let's let's see. Well, one, one, two, three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chain of Memories. Mm-hmm. Dream Drop Distance. Mm-hmm. Three five eight over two days. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. Was that the mobile one? No. Like, it's like, no. Re- no that was DS. That was DS. I almost said three DS, but yes, it's DS. It's like re was it, Remind was the one that Remind's just came out. DLC. The DLC. For three. What's the one that was just on mobile and then they released like a movie Key. of yes. it? Yes. Key. Okay. Correct. Oh, I forgot about 2.8 completely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. I think well, we're I definitely I think we're definitely game. getting fuzzy here cuz yeah. So in the email it's included 11. Uh so one chain of memories, two 358 over two days, birth by sleep, recoded, dream drop distance. Recoded, yeah. Uh key fragmentary passage 3 oh. and then melody of memory. Right. Counting fragmentary passage, like I could kind kind of see it. I guess yeah. it's like its own. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's very, very short, but right. yeah. yes, right. Okay, fair. All right, uh, Ratchet and Clank. Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> Nine. Oh shit! Clank had his own game. Yeah. I'm going to say nine, too. I think it might be nine. Uh, We're always too short. You're too short. Thirteen. Whoa. So in the email, we have listed one, going commando, up your arsenal, deadlocked, size matters, secret agent clank, tools of destruction, quest for booty, a crack in time, all for one. Full Frontal Assault, Wow! Into the Nexus, Ratchet and Clank 2016. Soon to be... I forgot about a lot of those. Yeah. Wow. 
All right. Yeah, those aren't like obscure PS- titles. It's like, no, I remember each and every two one of those. Two PSP yeah. games, dude. Who you think don't have a lot of experience with Ratchet, yeah. All right, the last one is by far the most difficult. Final Fantasy. Oh, I was hoping we'd get this. Um, oh, just Final Fantasy games? Yeah. With Final Fantasy in the title? Yeah. Well, does, like, Final Fantasy Legend count? Well, for this one, there are so many that it did not include all of the the the, the entries. But Oh. So they're not oh. all listed off here. So I just okay. I just have a number, basically. I... I'll I'll give a nice round one hundred. I think it's more. I think it might be like one thirty actually. But. Holy shit! Yeah, there's so many mobile games, dude. Fuck. Yeah, I, I think this sixty. <laughs> Brad is closer to this email, but I imagine that this could be contentious depending on how you choose to classify it. So the email says fifty four. Uh, and this is including mainline number games, sequels, side games, Japan only releases, and worldwide. Hmm. So I'd have to like dig into this because I, I think you could contest that number pretty easily. But Brad was there closer. are like seven or eight Final Fantasy seven games. Yeah, you know, so it's like fifty. Right. Like, I don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> like, yeah. Tactics, tactics, advance, ten. 10-2, There's like, yeah. 10-3, 13-2, 13-3, like, 50s? I don't know. Well, and then uh, you have, like, you mentioned, like, uh, seven games, and then there's, like, you have the four. Theater Rhythm, Theater Rhythm 2. Right. Yeah, you know, like, like, I see four, like, <laughs> the after years. years. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, like. Chocobo's Dungeon. Chocobo. Do, you, <laughs> do you count, like, the DS version of Final Fantasy 4? With 3D graphics and voiceovers, so it's like... Well, then there's the PSP version, then there's the NES version. Right, it's just like, where's your cutoff? SNES version, yeah. I wouldn't count the the Game Boy Advance version of Final Fantasy VI, but like the DS version of four is completely its own game. That is its own. That's voice acting and shit. Like, that's its... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Completely different art style, yeah. Yeah. Regardless... The PSP one's kind of like that, too. Fun game and fun to think about, regardless of of accuracy. It's it's fun. Uh, Next one, also pretty enjoyable, coming in from Wesley, and this is fishing in video games. Oh. Uh, He says... Greetings, Ben and Allies. Put your angling hats on because it's time to talk about fishing. Fishing minigames are among the most prevalent of any type of minigame in video games. Seems like you can't play an RPG these days without being able to haul in a lunker somewhere in the game. I really love how this is written. Uh, So here's my question to you. What makes a good fishing minigame? Which games had your favorite fishing mechanic? Do you even like fishing in video games? And how much time do you spend fishing when given the option? Thanks for reading my question. If you do, and stay easy, fellow allies. Uh, inv- like the environment around me is number one. Mm. If I feel pl- pleasantly relaxed in this area, I always think of uh, Twilight Princess fishing mini game. My mind immediately boat. goes to Ocarina. There's like a nice yeah. sick waterfall going like rainbow. Dude. It's just so jolly. So I don't know. I guess I don't fish a ton of games, but some like I did a lot in Twilight Princess. Like the most. I did a lot in 15, I guess, I too. was also thinking about 15. I really like it in 15. I think part of what helps it there is there's, like, a little bit of story going yeah. on with it. Yeah, there's, like, that f- legendary fish catch and stuff like that. Yeah, that helps a lot. 
Uh, Far Cry Five stands out. Wait, I don't even know if there's fishing in that. Yeah, I you can like that's collect funny. better better poles and um, uh, it, I it's I don't like necessarily the fishing because it's extremely archaic, literally in uh, uh, Valhalla. But I like that you can um, just in your, your like pulse where you can examine the environment, mm-hmm. you can physically see them. Like you can look out and be like, oh whoa, there's a big fish in this lake. I guess I'll yeah try to catch those guys. So I, I like that. You know, a lot of times when you go underwater in, in games and you see fish, it's like that's not really the fish you're going to catch. That's just us making like some mm-hmm. little simple geometric thing that will resemble a fish. Whereas like the fish you catch in Valhalla are like there. Like there's if there's mm-hmm. no more fish in the lake, you can't catch anything. I really don't like it when it's just like a gathering point where it's like, hey, go fishing. And there's there's no game at all. And it's just like, oh, you got the fish. But at the same time, I don't think it can be like so complicated where your immediate response is like, ah, I don't even want to mess with this. Like, I think it has to be accessible and immediately understood. But there like has to be some sort of game to it. Like, you have to put in some effort, I think, to get the fish yeah. to, to mm-hmm. get a nice balance. Animal uh, Crossing, obviously. Yeah, I thought of one. Yeah, Animal Crossing, very good. I thought of one I played like, at my friend's house a lot. Is Sega bass fishing on the Dreamcast. Yeah, dude. I think I, because I think of that's... the uh, there was like the fishing controller, dude. Yeah, well, all... it was like a fishing pole. Well, a good example of like fishing in games. I think it has to be. It can't be like the game. I think it has to be a smaller part right. of oh okay of of another game. Uh, shout out to World of Warcraft. <laughs> Mm. Um, oh because sure, because that's I got the turtle mount that was like a oh, nice, zero one percent chance. And I that's remember hype. just like only one guy from my guild was on, and I was like, "You don't even know, you know." So, tell your roommates, mm-hmm. <laughs> I <laughs> people to recognize. <laughs> I completely forgot about fishing in World of Warcraft, but yeah, just like sitting there watching the your skill yeah, go joy. up. Yeah, fun to think about. Ton of mm-hmm. things we didn't discuss that I'm sure are obvious, but oh yeah, still fun to think about. Uh, our last email comes in from James, who uh, is talking about open worlds, which I figure is always appropriate with Brandon Jones really? on the panel. And he, you're really going to like what this email has to say. All right. Uh, James says, hi, Ben and participating allies. I recently finished Red Dead Redemption 2's story, and <laughs> I've been completely blown away by the astounding details and rich, vibrant open world the game offers its players as well as the litany of ways that rockstar has prioritized the value of players time by continually and relentlessly offering up unforgettable missions and moments i believe red Redemption 2 is the measuring stick of open world games now and i don't see any other developers i don't see not any other i don't see other developers capturing the same essence do you think that Ubisoft, CD Projekt Red, Bethesda, and other developers of open world games put more stock into making their games look prettier than they do making their games worthwhile to play and enjoy? Hmm. I don't they know. They do I think, their own thing. Yeah, Red Dead's like, just how Rockstar does their open world games is just different mm-hmm. compared to like Ubisoft. Yeah. There's like a different focus to the world. I like that there's kind of like this leapfrogging effect with Ubisoft games where like one will come out and then the next Assassin's Creed or the next Watch Dogs or something will be like, good idea, Montreal. Let's do this. You know, mm-hmm. and like they'll take mm-hmm. one idea from it and implement it. Um, 
And so, so that's why it's re- really fascinating to see that like open world Star Wars game. It's like, whoa, is that going to be like the division or is it going to be like its own new thing? I wonder, like there's just a lot of, you know, it's really hard to set expectations for that because there's so many ways that they can take it. Whereas Rockstar is just whatever the hell Rockstar wants to do. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so like if a lot of times people are like, I don't like Rockstar's design. They should change it. It's like they will not mm-hmm. <laughs> like they are going to make the game that they want to make for sure. Like they're probably more, um, you know, uh, incentivized now to focus more on online stuff than make like, you know, bigger single player campaigns. But um, at the same time, something like Elder Scrolls is like, that's going to do its own crazy thing. Like there's a freedom in Skyrim that is, I think, absent from, you know, Red Dead. Like if you Mm -hmm. just kind of are like, what's in this cave or what's over on this hill in Red Dead? It's like, you might not find anything. (laughs) Or it's like in a Breath of the Wild or a Skyrim, like you probably will. Like they've set that up in an intentional way that you'll you'll bump into something. Yeah, I was I was going to bring up Breath of the Wild because I do think there is a playfulness in Redemption 2's world and there is a lot to do, but it's very, very different than the kind of playfulness that is in Breath of the Wild, and I wouldn't say Breath of the Wild has, you know, quote unquote, the prettiest open world, but I think it, with the mechanics that are in place in that game, it functions very, very well. And like another example is Spider-Man, right? Where Mm. like the way that that world is designed is for you to get as much enjoyment out of the traversal as possible. And, you know, swinging uh, through buildings and like, running up skyscrapers like i want to do it right now just because it's so much fun to do and it feels like it complements that movement super super well um and so i do think that there are things to take from red dead redemption 2 specifically but i don't i don't want everything to feel like red Dead redemption 2 i mean yeah i don't want them all to feel the same Mm -hmm. i yeah i think the the vibe i get from rockstar is that um i think like to, to compare Rock to compare Red Dead Redemption Two to Spider Man, I think there was design decisions and efforts made by that team to bring Spider Man to life the way they wanted to to create a game and a world and a combat system and a traversal system that all made sense for that character. Where I feel like Rockstar does things because Rockstar's crazy. Like <laughs> they they add things into the game where I'm right. like, you didn't need this. You didn't need, what are you doing? This is insane. Like there's right. so much crazy detail to like how elaborate that one little system is in terms of how many different ways it can take the story and, and how you can just totally miss that. Like I could talk to somebody who put hours into Red Dead and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking right. about. I never went to that area. I never met that person. It's just like, wow. You know, so that kind of above and beyond, like I don't see Ubisoft doing that because they're like, we're making three open world games at, at once right now. Mm-hmm. So like we don't really, you know, we, we don't have the, um, uh, there's just no need for us to do. There's no desire. Whereas like, you know, Rockstar is like, and this is our game of the decade, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, they have to, you expect a little bit more, you know, like the expectations leading up to GTA six or like, has any game been, you know, like, you know, anticipated that much in terms of like, what are they going to do? You know? So like, they can't really be interesting or, you know, like take risks, you know, like a lot of that's just got to be like, you know, how many, not only are we going to put the kitchen sink in, like how many kitchen sinks are we going to put in this thing? Right. So it's just a different way to approach it. But that's again, why I like immortals because it's like, it's so easy breezy. It's just so like, Oh, it's just a little, little, a little side open world game. Nice. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, I'm committing to this huge thing. It's a good point, Brandon. It's a good point. Um, I think that is going to do it for emails. This has been a very easy breezy Mm -hmm. episode of frame trap. (laughs) 
You know what I want to replay that I never finished that just popped in? Hmm. Sleeping Dogs. Sleeping Dogs. You know, oh, shit. I really love... And I'm glad it's not, like, massive. It's just, yeah. like, I, I put, like, 10 hours or so into it. I just never finished it. And I'm like, ah, it's always haunted my, I, my open-world backlog. I finished it and really liked it at the time, but it's been forever, you know, since that initial playthrough. I, I'm curious if if it would still hold up for me. But, yeah, I really have fond memories of that game. Um, thank you so much to Brandon Jones and Brad Ellis. If you want to uh, write into Frametrap... The email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. One more time, that is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Also in the description of, hopefully, wherever you're watching this. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for watching. Until next time.